That's right. Pump it up. My job is to take you to 6 o'clock in the morning with uh, Broadway Bill Lee at the controls and Avery uh, as our uh, overnight producer and phone screener. It's a crew that's small, unlike Frank Morano's, that's gaudy, large, and out of control. We'll discuss that later on. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the other, 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 other side of midnight, or as the uh, voice of WABC Chris Libertini described, another side of midnight. But this is a great song, Rare Earth Get Ready. But you know what it was like? Yesterday and today, it was getting ready for Umiserab. And it was Umiserab out there. No matter where I went, whether I fell asleep to catch a few seats for a few hours, then got into the subways, there was water everywhere. There was rain everywhere. And then all of a sudden, I had a flashback. I felt like Travis Bickle, a.k.a. Robert De Niro, in Taxi Driver. May 10th. Thank God for the rain, which has helped wash away the garbage and the trash off the sidewalks. I'm working long hours now. Six in the afternoon to six in the morning, sometimes even eight in the morning. Six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. It's a long hustle, but it keeps me real busy. I can take in three, three fifty a week. Sometimes even more when I do it off the meter. Great, great, great movie. You know, part of that is me. Part of that is me. Working six to six, round the clock. If it's not here at WABC, always broadcasting Curtis on the weekends. It's out there in the subways and the streets where Guardian Angels are desperately needed as we got the swagger man as the mayor, you know, going from restaurant to restaurant and and basically getting free meals. I'll give you an update on what he's done since he's got back from L.A. But don't you get a sense I'm like Travis Bickle? That great, great movie. It came at a time when vigilante movies were the rage. You remember in the 70s. There was Charles Bronson in Death Wish 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Oh, they were the classics. And there was Buford Pusser in Walking Tall. No, not The Rock. Buford Pusser, the original one with the 2 by 4 That was the best. And, of course, there was Travis Spickle. And then, of course, the classic line when De Niro is in the cab driving through the old Times Square on a drizzly, rainy night. All the animals come out at night. Whores, skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies. Sick, venal. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets. The way I felt these last two days, the side streets, the main avenues, they're dirty. The sanitation department, its budget has been cut. They they don't take brooms off the trucks anymore. (laughs) Even when they finish their route, they basically go back to their barn. 
if it wasn't for the business improvement districts, the bids, and be trash all over the place. You just sense it. You feel it. You smell it. It's everywhere. And it sort of clings to you. So I was saying to myself, you know, I'm going to make this right for everybody listening out there. In 38 states, parts of Canada, parts of Europe, and right down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle, because that's where the 50,000 powerful watts of sound of WABC are heard when it's dusk. And plus, our sister station through the spectrometer, WLIR out in the Hamptons. So the combination of the discronificator and the spectrometer just booms out that signal. I say, what can I do for people? Situation is such, crime is rising. Things are not back to what they need to be. People are talking about leaving if they haven't already left. I'm going to bring them some joy. I'm going to bring them some moolah moolah. I'm going to bring them some money. I'm going to study my racing form. I'm going to study my racing form. Please, a call to the races here, Broadway uh, Bill. And I did my due diligence, and I related to all of you who the winners of the Kentucky Derby would be. And I had done uh, not only extensive, but most importantly, I had critiqued what would take place at the 148th run for the Roses at Churchill Downs, especially after that udiscraziata, that... uh, that Shanda last year when Medina Spirit won. Uh, because it's trainer, that white-haired, tinted glass guy, Bob Baffert, that everybody knows because he's like so synonymous with racing, had to get washed out because he cheated. He drugged up the horse. After eight days, they found it out. So I said, I'm going to right the wrong. I'm going to get my number two pencil. I'm going to do the analytics. And you remember, I made my choices to all of you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And just hours ago before dusk, in Louisville, Kentucky, at Churchill Downs, the rain had finally stopped after days and days of drizzle and rain and miserable. And finally, the Kentucky Derby Got underway. And they're into the stretch. And it's Fessier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin. These two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. And coming down to the wire, Epicenter Sandin. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Red Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Forget Red Strike, Lightning Strike. That's one of the biggest upsets in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Friday morning at 8 a.m., this horse was not in the race. Eric Reed. The trainer, Sonny Leon, the jockey, have never been a part of the Derby, and they have won 
an unbelievably upset, shocking Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike, who went off at 80 to 1. Mike, you could have bought this horse for $30,000 last September. He was in a claiming race. Did he say Lucky Strike? I didn't even know this horse was in the race. It wasn't even in the preview. Where the hell did this horse come from? At about three quarters, Mark, it was way in the back. It was a nag. There was just no chance. Look, you know what my picks were. I had told you that Epicenter would win, right? And up until the last wee moments of the race, Epicenter was the winner. And I told you that Zandon would finish win place show. The only one that I was out was Taliba. Man, what the hell is this This horse rich strike owned by this hillbilly from like Covenant, Kentucky, Cincinnati with a jockey, a jockey who, by the way, is not on the normal circuit. This jockey, Sonny Leone, is housed at Mahoning Valley, Ohio. What the hell is that, a fertilizer horse pulling a plow? I say to myself, this can't be. I had the winner epicenter. You remember I predicted that, ladies and gentlemen. I told you to take a reverse mortgage. I told you to raid the kid and the grandchild's college educational fund. I told you to melt down your 401k to a 201k and you'd be rolling in dough. Where the hell did this horse come from? And then all of a sudden, to show you how gymmed up this horse was, Unexpectedly, at 80 to 1, it wins, number 21. And then, all of a sudden, it starts fighting with the other horses. Not the horses who ran in the race, but the other ponies who are out there to sort of, I guess you can say, escort the horse to the winner's lane. Listen, listen intently to how amped up this horse was. We need him, Hey! Hey! Careful there, Rich Strike. What a moment for Rich Strike. When the trainer, Eric Reed, from Versailles, Kentucky, 57 years old, found out that Ethereal Road was scratched yesterday, his quote was... As you see, the horse acting up a little bit here. He's trying to savage the pony. Yeah. As if he hasn't done enough already beating 19 other horses. He's, He's trying to beat up on the pony. Hey! Hey! Careful there, Rich Strike. That's the jockey having to yell at the horse for attacking the other horses. A jockey that nobody ever heard of. I never heard of him. Sonny Leone from Mahoning Valley, Ohio. That horse must have been pulling a plow. Or I don't know, a wagon. How was going on? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then they have this Brit, you know, in the winner's circle at Churchill Down doing the interviews. And it turns out the trainer was like a hillbilly from uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And explain this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But 
And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Sonny Leon, they know who he is now, the jockey. Hey, wait a second here, Broadway Bill. uh, We got to play this hillbilly uh, trainer here, Eric Reed, that nobody ever heard about. I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who he is now. Unbelievable. So this horse is all amped up at the end. It's attacking the other ponies which I've never seen happen at the end of a race. Now, normally, if a horse is real nervous, it's sweating, it's schwitzing, it's bobbing back and forth, but it's not attacking the other ponies. We need him, man. Hey! Hey! That's a jockey, Sonny Leon, telling his horse, chill out. He's biting the ponies. Now, you know he was amped up. You know this horse was milkshaked. You know this horse... This horse was roided up. There's no doubt about it. In fact, what I want you to do, Broadway Bill, uh, Billy, I want you to go back to the call of the race. I want you to hear how the horses that I had predicted for all of you to make money were in contention. Epicenter was up at the lead. Zandin was like uh, number two. Uh, okay, you weren't going to win a trifecta with me, but let me tell you something. You were gonna, you were gonna end up with a lot of money, and then all of a sudden, twenty-one, twenty-one. I said, "Well, who the hell is twenty-one? Where did this horse come from?" You know, this is like Rosie Ruiz. You know, when they used to have the New York City Marathon and they didn't track all the runners, and Rosie Ruiz was taking the subway, and all of a sudden she gets out, you know, uh, in uh, near Central Park, and she starts running, and she claims she won the race. You know, they didn't have cameras at the time. Where the hell did this horse come from? And they're into the stretch, and it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandin, reach strike. He's coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Red Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Forget Red Strike. Lightning Strike. That's one of the biggest upsets in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Friday morning at 8 a.m., this horse was not in the race. Eric Reed. The trainer, Sonny Leon, the jockey, have never been a part of the Derby, and they have won an unbelievably upset, shocking Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike, who went off at 80 to 1. Mike, you could have bought this horse for $30,000 last September. He was in a claiming race. You could have bought him in the glue factory. Where the hell did Lucky Strike come from? Wait, I got to hear the hillbilly trainer, please. Eric Reed, a person of no consequence. You know, what was he training? Pony rides in Covington, Kentucky? I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. 
but I knew this horse loved the track and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, Sonny Leon, who had run, uh, had jockeyed uh, six races in uh, Cincinnati, Natty Boy, just yesterday. That's a low-grade track in Cincinnati. And then you got the Dixie Mafia across the river in Covington, Kentucky. You know, that's where Jerry Springer went when he was the mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, We'd go for his prostitutes, and he bounced a check to a prostitute, and that's how he ended up losing being mayor of the city of uh, Cincinnati. Over the vine, Rhine Lane, get out of here. I didn't even see that horse. Start the race. Did did that horse just jump in halfway through the race? That was technology here, ladies and gentlemen. The fix was in. The hillbillies came out of nowhere. Did you see them at the end? They looked like they had just had some corn squeezings. You know, like all of a sudden they had some moonshine that they were passing around. I mean, we're talking Hatfields and McCoys here. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. You can't explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this. Cause Damn right you weren't supposed to be there. Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And I'm saying to myself, I had the winner at the center. I also had... Uh, well, I had originally picked him to finish third, Zandon. And he did finish third. But I had no idea, to be honest with you, that this number 21 horse was even running in the race. I hadn't been informed. wasn't in the racing form. Nobody said that this horse, lucky strike, rich strike, whatever the hell strike it is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Howard in Babylon. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Howie. Hi, Curtis. I have a question, your opinion. I'd like to know if you feel horse racing is fixed by the Mafia or any other organization. This particular race at Churchill Downs, we're talking about history uh, being made after last year's race where the guy walks around the track all the time with the white hair and the tinted glasses. You know, I'm Bob Bathford. You know, I'm I'm the best trainer in the world. I won the, the Kentucky Derby six times, the Triple Crown two times. He cheated. He drugged his horse, Medina Spirit, and it tainted the running of the Kentucky Derby, the first leg of the Triple Crown. And now this horse, what the hell is the name of this horse? Lucky Strike? What? Where the hell did this horse come from, Howard? I don't know. All I know is I've heard, I live on Long Island. I've heard a lot of stories about Belmont and about Aqueduct. But I haven't heard much about Kentucky Churchill Downs or any of the other Triple Crown races. No, let me tell you something. These, these boys who brought this horse in, what the hell is the name? Rich Strike? Lucky Strike? Lightning Strike? Whatever the strike was. Uh, these boys uh, were natty boys from Cincinnati and nearby Covington, Kentucky, where the Dixie Mafia operates. Uh, I got to tell you, Howard, I am very suspicious of how this all came about. My plan mm-hmm. was working up into that last two seconds. 
when his number 21 horse came out of nowhere. It had been in the back. I mean, it was like a nag. We would have all turned off the TV, turned it back on, and that horse wouldn't have even finished the race five minutes later. Now, you, you think know. the ones in the lead held back? No, no. They actually ran a fast quarter. Uh, you know, even though the track was not muddy and sloppy because it had stopped raining, it still it wasn't a lightning uh, dry track. No, those horses were mm. they were running fast. That's why I knew Epicenter was going to win, and Epicenter had the race. And then all of a sudden, number twenty one came out of nowhere. I think that horse got milkshake because it entered at the very last second. It probably wasn't quarantined. There probably weren't eyeballs to make sure that that horse wasn't juiced up. Howard, uh, I, I think people should get their money back, except those that, that bet 80 to 1, right? They're not going to give the money back. You imagine 80 to 1? That's a huge amount of odds. I know that. Yeah, and what does the IRS get on that, huh? I don't know, but I bet a third to a half. I can't believe this. You know what a claiming horse is. It means basically you've given up on the horse. And so um, the uh, owner there was saying uh, later on in the interview after the Hillbilly trainer finished, uh, Eric Reed, Rick Dawson was saying, oh, I was going to give up on the horse. You know, I knew this horse wasn't going to do anything. And how the hell did it end up in the Kentucky Derby? I am really suspicious about this, Howard. Yeah, three-year-olds, right? I heard three-year-olds run the Kentucky Derby. I don't care if it was an eight-year-old ready for the glue factory. I don't care if it was a gelding. (laughs) I don't care if it was a mare. I don't care if it was a stallion. There's something that stinks to high heaven in Louisville tonight. Maybe they'll investigate. You know something? At 80 to 1, how do you know that they didn't decide, wow, this is too good to pass up? And all of a sudden, they let this horse in the race, they let the horse get all ginned up, roided up, amphetamined up, messed up. We need him, Hey! Hey! And you notice this horse at the end, Howard, started attacking the other ponies. Attacking it, biting. Never saw that before in many races that I've gone to. I've never seen horses attack other horses. And these, he was attacking horses that hadn't even run in the race. Mm-hmm. That suggests. Don't they test the horse's urine after the race? They're supposed to. But you know, they might have put another horse's urine in the sample while there was all this excitement. Uh, I mean, you know, everyone going, my God, how did these hillbillies win this this race? How did they even get into the track? Yeah, I'll be listening to you all night, Curtis. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'll call again at some future date. (sighs) I'm very depressed. Don't be depressed, Curtis. Worst things can happen. Yeah, but you see, I was promising people I'd make them a lot of money, and I was on the verge of, it wouldn't be too much because Epicenter was like a 3-to-1, Zandon was like a 6-to-1. But still, Mm -hmm. still, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, you would have walked away with a a few dollars, not so much that you would have had to pay the IRS. But this... You don't think the fix was in at 80 to 1, unprecedented? Come on, ladies and gentlemen. 
center is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming Hook up for him. Hook him. Come on, Epicenter. Hook him. These two strive for stride. Simplification. Now the outside is next. And coming down to the wire. Epicenter Sandin. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Who the hell? Lucky strike, lightning strike. I never heard of this horse. Let's go to Al in Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Al. <laughs> hey, Curtis. I've long been a horse racing fan and long been a, a uh, Curtis Lewa fan. But it sounds like you're kind of angry that your horse lost. My horse had won. It, it, you heard Epicenter. Zanin. I had two out of the top three. Okay, I didn't score the trifecta. Uh, I didn't hit the exotic bets. But I was at least going to make some people some money out there, depending on how they bet. And who the hell was this 21 horse? Don't tell me, Al. You knew all about Lucky Strike, Lightning Strike, Rich Strike. That was a horse that was probably pulling a plow two days ago. Well, more than likely, but guess what? Since Bafford was out of the out of the running, it was an honest race, and the best horse won. Now, wait a second. You are ready to commit that there was no cheating. Did you hear that hillbilly trainer, Al? That's horse racing, Curtis. Hold on. Hold on. Listen. Listen to what this trainer had to say. I want you to listen. I don't everyone. know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know. He probably had a battery. He was juicing him on the side. You know how they do that. Well, there you go. He was saying it was training all good all year long. So the best horse won. Oh, you believe? You oh, wait a second. You believe him, Al? You're not at least. You're not any. You're not suspicious. You're not jaundiced about this. I've seen a hundred to one shots win. All right, now Al, did you ever see a horse at the end of a race start attacking the pony, start biting the attacking? Listen to his own jockey, the guy who the trainer Eric Reed say the whole world is going to know Sonny Leone. We need him in. Hey! Hey! Careful there, Rich Strike. What a moment for Rich Strike. When the trainer, Eric Reed, from Versailles, Kentucky, 57 years old, found out that Ethereal Road was scratched yesterday, his quote was, as you see the horse acting up a little bit here. He's trying to savage the pony. Yeah. As if he hasn't done enough already beating 19 other horses. He's He's trying to beat up on the pony. What the hell was that? You've never seen that in your life. (laughs) Who was the jockey, by the way? Oh, remember, we're going to all know this guy. He was uh, actually a person I've never heard of. And apparently uh, he's a jockey who just yesterday uh, mounted six races in Cincinnati in one of those B-grade tracks. But we're all told now we're going to know. And how, many, and how many of those races did he win? I have no idea, to be honest. I, I don't oh, well, follow. There you go. You don't know. I, 
I don't, you don't know. I, I would rather follow a horse race at a county fair. I mean, when you when you go to the track in in Cincinnati, come on, we're not talking big time racing there. Well, you know, it's like I said, the best horse won. What are, what are you going to do? They're not going to take it back. Well, the look, they, look, tickets are going to, you know, they're going to cash in. They That's it. look, they Over. they did it last year. Everyone thought Medina Spirit won, and then eight days later, they took the championship from Medina Spirit. But Sonny Leon is it is based out of Mahonig Valley, Ohio. What do you? What, that's a hotbed of racing. Come on, Al. You know that's not true. Well, you never know. You know the, the you know some of these horses come from uh, places that you've never heard of. But I but I bet you one thing. I can I can put my dollar on it that if Bafford would have been in there, he would have won that race. Whatever horse he would have had, he would have won. Let me tell you, so, Sonny Leon, the winning jockey. You could have found a lawn jockey who would have done oh, a better job. There you go, Leon. Leon, he's he's one of the best jockeys. What the hell are you talking about? Nobody even knew who this guy was. He's never, I've never. Heard of Leon. He's I've never heard of him. ridden a mount in the Kentucky Derby before. Never. This trainer's but never been ridden, in the Kentucky Derby before. But he's ridden in the country. He's he's a well-known well jockey. I've, ex- I've heard of Leon. Excuse me. Uh, I've heard of Leon. Uh, riding a horse in Central Park. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right, it wasn't Velasquez. <laughs> no, Velasquez, uh, Puerto Ricano, and the whole group Puerto from Rico. Belmont track, they had a whole bunch of Puerto Rican uh, uh, jockeys. And they were all doing yeah, well. And then this guy comes out of nowhere. Can I hear that hillbilly uh, trainer again? Come on. You, you think this sounds like a trainer? I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, running moonshine. <laughs> From West Virginia to Kentucky? The Cincinnati? Come on. You think I'm a schmuck? You think I'm a putz? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brian in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Brian. Yeah, Curtis? Yeah, Brian. You know, uh, I think exception, exception to that because I stayed at their house. Eric Reed, his father's a trainer, and I, I went there for sales with my girl a, a few years back. And uh, they're, he's been a trainer for a long time. I don't doubt he's been a trainer for a long time, but he's never run a horse in the Kentucky Derby. But like people, you know, you, you don't just uh, anybody can win something, a, a sporting event, any athlete, and just and, and that's a that's a very detrimental to say the, the hillbilly. That that that's a very very derogatory to say it. He's a hillbilly because they're good people, and that was a good one of the good horse. Let me explain about horse racing because I don't know if you know anything about it, but when you have a fast pace. When you have a fast pace, it's called the breakdown. It's like anybody can win the race. Now, Brian, you know Eric Reed and his family, the trainer. I stayed there at that place. Okay. And did you I bet? Did you call hillbillies? Did you? Excuse me. Did you bet on this horse? I don't bet no more because I used to work for Naira, and I, I hate horse racing now because I, it's evil in a lot of ways. Wait, wait, wait. But, oh, hold on, say, hold on. You knew these people personally. It I was. I I was at the. 
relax. Relax. You, you get it. You're, you're hyperventilating here. Relax. Calm down. Wow. What? Calm. Hey, Brian, calm down. You had a heart attack on me. Yeah, no, I called you last night with the first call that by horse racing. They fired me from Naira, Curtis. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay, I, I apologize. And I, I, I apologize. I, you were the security I, officer I, at Belmont, right? And I and I'm a I I, I took care of a lot of cat. I'm a I'm a cat lover. That's yes, why I call yes. your show all the time. I, I don't call your show. I try. But, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, be calm. Life, be calm. You're 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 right. You're an expert because you've been there before. You know yeah. Eric Reed and his family. I think I may have I to apologize to him, but uh, calm down, man. Know. Yeah, but I, 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 you know, I didn't know. This was years ago. I spent time a day, a few. I spent a few days to help her. I went because I went to horse racing anyway. I'm just a lot of emotional about that. But, no, no, no. Understood. Understood. Can I, understood. I can explain one thing about horse sure, racing? Sure, of course. Of course it sure. makes no sense. Yeah, and it destroyed my life yeah. because I got into. I didn't bet much, but my father hated it because his brother was a big one. Anyway, it's it, when, you have a, when you have a fast pace in a race, things break down, and anybody can win that race. Well, you're right. It was a very fast pace. The first quarter Andy, was lightning fast. And do you know Andy Searle, the guys who do the Naira, the, the predict, like Andy Searle, those guys? Yes. He'll tell you that. When there's a break, when the pace is so fast and there's a breakdown, not that, God forbid, a breakdown when the horse gets hurt. No, when when it's like a when the, when the pace is so fast, anybody can win that. Anybody could pick up the pieces. So the worst horse could win because you know what? Another thing too with the racing, there really probably were no good quality horses in that races in that race, and that might be the thing. Mm. There were no really quality horses. Mm. And um, as far as Baffert, he was drugging his horses with steroids. So you know, you know what I'm saying. It, you can't go by that either. But um, if he was in there, because he was cheating. But uh, when you have a fast pace, things break down. Oh, look, look, Brian, Brian, calm down, calm down, Brian. Wow, wow. Brian is very emotional about this. Curtis, can I be honest with you? Yes. Um, God, I hope they don't fire me because I'm getting my appointment now. No, 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 no. Can we calm? No, you don't have to breathe into the. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't breathe no. into that. Sound like a hurricane out there. Yeah, I'm, first of all, I admire you, and uh, you're like awesome. I listen to your show. I stay up all night. I Thank don't you. sleep either. No, oh, well, that's uh, you're an insomniac like the rest of us. I understand that. Fired. I, I worked at Belmont, um, and I love. I miss my horses and my cats out there. No, no, but I will tell you this, Brian. I will tell you this uh, clearly because you are an expert. Anybody who's worked a backstretch knows a hell of a lot more about horse racing than I do. I will acknowledge that. I don't care what capacity. You could be a groomer. No, no, I'm not talking about a pedophile. I'm talking about a groomer for a horse, a thoroughbred, a hot walker, a rider, somebody who feeds the horses. You could be a vet. Although they outrageous charges for giving up one shot to a horse. What? what a, he, he charged like $5,000 for one shot. What's in that shot? Oh, well, wait a second. Brian straightened me out on Eric Reed. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to withhold judgment until the uh, actual uh, tests come back. <sighs> wow, Brian straightened me out there. Boy, very emotional. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 
Let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dean. Curtis, you remember me? You called me a degenerate gambler last night. 50 years I've been in the business. Let me tell you a couple items. Your boy that was just on the phone doesn't know nothing about nothing. There's no such thing as a breakdown. Second, this horse ran against Epicenter in fairgrounds about a year ago. In the seven-horse field, Epicenter kicked the you-know-what out of him. This horse was 46-1 to and beat two horses in the race. Second, Leon won the last three titles at Mahoning Downs. He's a leading jockey for the last three years. I'm not giving him credit. You, you And you should not apologize. They are a bunch of hillbillies. And this guy that was just on the phone said there's no good horses. This was one of the best races in the last 10 years. They were all very competitive. I told you yesterday that they stiffed Ashmussen, the trainer, in the Philly and Mayor race. In fact, in fact, Dean, uh, hold on one second, Dean. Let's go to your call yesterday specifically about Churchill Downs and Kentucky Derby uh, today. Let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dean. Curtis, 68 years old, been playing horses for 50 years. If you watched the Oaks yesterday, the Triple Crown beginning for the Phillies, Steve Asmussen had the second choice, undefeated, five for five. Speed-laden horse goes to the front, nothing else. One of the trainers in the race with a 45-to-1 shot said, I'm putting my horse in, he's going to go to the lead, and we're going to take the lead away from you. He did just that. 45 to one shot finish next to last out of 14. Steve Asmussen ran third. Add an incentive to today's race. Steve Asmussen will absolutely win with the three horse. They so you, uh, you are in complete agreement with me that he's going to break this spell of having lost 23 times in the Kentucky Derby with a horse, and yet he's had more wins as a trainer than anyone else in the history of thoroughbred racing. You are correct. The added incentive will be epicenter will go to the lead and absolutely destroy the Kentucky Derby field. I like number three, five, and 11. If you box them in the triple and an exacta, you'll make some money. The other two are bombs. Uh, you, like, you like those exotic wow. that That was you yesterday, Dean. You were on it. Okay. You on it. Now, do I sound, Curtis, do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? I think I'm one, I think I'm very smart. That's why I lose all my money. Yeah. Listen, another thing, Baffert's horse that won last year wound up dying on the racetrack in a workout. His heart exploded from all the steroids that they were giving him. Did mm. you know that? Yes. But yes. being a spirit no longer lives. He yes. doesn't eat oats anymore. Mm. Mm. But now, uh, so this now, uh, Dean, what do you think happened that this horse gets in, as was described, Friday morning because of a scratch? And is, That's right. He's, and, an all, he's what they call an also eligible. So they always have two or three sitting on the bench in case the horse does the horse scratches. They fill up the race. This right. horse, you are right. This horse was a donkey. He got his nuts kicked in by Epicenter in the fairgrounds down in Louisiana. Out of seven horses, he beat two horses in the race. For the trainer to say that he was 
He was working out all year. That, he had one good workout at Churchill Downs. He ran five furlongs in 59, which is a good workout. But one workout doesn't give you uh, a Kentucky Derby winner. So, so how, how, do you, how, how do you think? How do you think this happened? I have no idea. He's a nag. He's a donkey. He should be selling rags. You know when the, the rag truck used to come around in the, sure. in the 1930s and sure, 40s? Sure. His dad, horse's mother and father used to pull the rag wagon. I remember. I remember. Another race again. My grandfather used to sell to the rag man. Came in from Dean Street downtown Brooklyn. Rags, mattresses, everything. There you go. There you go. This horse had no business winning. You could see. You could see the announcer. Everybody was. This is like a mind that bird. You know, after mind that bird won about ten, fifteen years ago, he never won another race again. Never won another race. He ran in the Belmont. He ran third. He ran second in the Preakness. But he never won another race. I'm going to tell you now, this horse will never win another race again. He'll go to he'll go to the Preakness. He'll probably be 10, 15 to one. He won't win. He won't hit the board. And then they'll take him and they'll retire him. And he'll be you can never take it away from him, right? He's a Kentucky Derby winner. And don't apologize for saying they're a bunch of hillbillies. That's just what they are. And they lied to everybody when the guy got on in the interview and said. Oh, I knew this horse would win. We don't put horses in just to be in the race. He's full of you-know-what. Dean. I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dean, I, I appreciate you straightening me out there. I was going to cave to, uh, who was that, Brian before? Not, he was like crying. Cave. And you, you, know, you know who was making all the noise? That wasn't the jockey. That was the outrider that was yelling and screaming in the, after the race. Have you ever seen, though, at the end of a race, uh, a horse actually attack the ponies that are just trying to escort them uh, down the track? I saw a race last year at the wire. It was a stake race at Belmont. You can go back and check. At the wire, just 10 feet before the wire, one horse tried to savage the other horse. By him leaning over and turning his neck, it was an, it was an inch at the wire. If he didn't try to savage the other horse, he would have won the he would have won the the stake race. Mm. Mm. And he lost by by just by him doing that. But after the race, this horse was all jerked up. So I'm sure they're not going to find any drugs in the system because Bob Baffert may not going to happen anymore. And Bob Baffert was the biggest scumortica in in racing history. He did something that nobody else could do for the last hundred years: is win six Kentucky Derbies. And they finally caught him. They finally caught him. And he got what he, he didn't get what he deserves. He should be banned for the rest of his life, not two years. And the guy that owned the horse, now he has no horse left, Medina Spirit, because he killed him. Mm. You know when them, you know when the wrestlers were all dying in the last 15 years because of the steroids? Sure. They have heart attacks at young age. That's what happened to Medina Spirit. He had so much juice in him. That he was out on the track in the workout for a big race, and he croaked and died. Well, I, pre- I appreciate that, uh, Dean. You straightening me out. Let me, let me listen to that uh, tr- trainer again. Uh, let me see if I got to amend my. I, I'm sort of conflicted here about Eric Reed. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. You can't and explain that. This is something that you know is the reason everybody does this because we're not. 
but I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, should I apologize for referring to him as a hillbilly surrounded by all those what look like hillbillies in the winner's circle? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. God, the agony of defeat. I agree. I don't know what that means. I know, but it's the agony of defeat. Look, I was going to make a lot of our listeners a lot of money. I know a lot of people were depending on me uh, to make the picks, as I've done for almost 32 years in broadcasting. you got to understand, from my point of view, Tom, I'm looking at the race, and I'm saying, 21? Where the hell did that horse come from? I didn't even know he was in the race. Well, it's not like it can't happen. Right, and I didn't. I I you know, I went. I was watching something else. So after the race ended, I just I went somewhere else. I didn't see the horse like biting the other horse. Oh my God! He savaged the ponies. Hey, hey! Careful there, Rich Strike. What a moment for Rich Strike when the trainer hey, Eric Reed from Versailles, Kentucky, fifty-seven years old found out that Ethereal Road was scratched yesterday. His quote was as you see the horse acting up a little bit He's trying to savage the pony. Yeah. As if he hasn't done enough already beating 19 other horses. He's He's trying to beat up on the pony. My God, Tom, that that horse was out of control. I don't know. You got a point, Curtis. I got. I, I got. I, I got to settle down, Tom, because I know a lot of people are depending on me. In the past, I've made some really good choices in Kentucky Derbies, in the Preakness, and especially Belmont Stakes, the last of the Triple Crown. Uh, and I know, I know, I'm going to catch. Uh, I'm going to catch a lot of grief because people were depending on me. I don't know something strange about this race. I didn't even know that Lucky Strike, Lightning Strike, Rich Strike was in this race. Let's go to Lenny in Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lenny. Yeah, hi, Curtis. I love your show. Uh, yeah, I heard your predictions with the uh, horses. And uh, uh, Friday afternoon, I went over the Yonkers Raceway to bet it in advance. And I had a gut feeling that there was going to be a long shot. But, you know, I didn't know about that horse. So, I bet the 20 horse and the, uh, with some other long shots, with your horses also. So I put, you know, $4 to win, $4 to win. So uh, the guy goes to me, hey, the 20 horse got stra- uh, scratched. It was uh, 11.45 in the morning on uh, Friday. So I says, all right. I wasn't thinking, well, let me go ahead and say the 21. I go, all right, give me the 19, because I happened to leave that one out. And then... Uh, you know, when I was watching the race, I, I couldn't believe my eyes like you were saying. With the 21 came out of, like, where, I didn't even know he was in the race, you know. That's right. It's not like he was announced, oh, you know, the 20 horse is scratched. We got this last-minute entry. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was so early uh, with the scratch. I don't know if that 21 at that hour when I went to, uh, at that moment, when I went to bet uh, the uh, races, that that was even uh, – there yet, you know, because I don't have experience. I only bet like the, the uh, Kentucky Derby and the Belmont out of tradition, but uh, I couldn't believe my eyes when I when I saw that. And I saw I thought the same thing with you when it was over, and I saw the horse going for the other horse. I said, "This this this horse is really wired up. Something's not kosher here." You know? Hey, hey! 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that horse was chomping on the ponies. And remember, it was. On, I just couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that twenty-one. Even in the gate, I didn't even know there was going to be a twenty. I said, "Oh my God, that, that's one horse I didn't bet." I was only putting four dollars to win on the. Uh, on all the uh, long shots, but in addition, I bet your horses, uh, you know, the Epic and the other one, the Zandon. But uh, I just couldn't believe it. It was just, it was, it was amazing. Like, where the hell did this thing come from in the first place, you know? I know it uh, lends to uh, one's suspicions, and I'm a bit jaundiced that all of a sudden, yeah. here's a horse only ran seven times before. As uh, our caller pointed out, uh, the guy who made his prediction last night, which was pretty much uh, uh, similar to mine, Dean, from New Jersey, saying Epicenter, uh, how Epicenter had whooped this same horse, Lucky Strike, Lightning Strike, Rich Strike, whatever the hell. (laughs) Lucky Strike, like the cigarette. (laughs) Right, down in Louisiana. I know. It's (laughs) incredible. Just incredible. Well, I, I, know, I, I, I know something's off. I got to believe that uh, the uh, the uh, the racetrack itself, the stewards, yeah. are scratching their belly buttons and trying to figure this out and saying, you know, we got screwed over last year by Baffert with Medina Spirit because he juiced them up. I, know, uh, I heard about that. We, yeah. we had better check this uh, this horse. I heard the man before you said the heart the, the heart exploded. I oh. Said, oh my god! Because I love animals, you know. Yeah, I right. have three cats on, but uh, I uh, I felt bad about that. I go, wow, that's that's nasty, you know, to do something, to, you know, to that extent just to win something. That's terrible, well, you know. You know, there's tremendous amounts of money at stake. But ladies and gentlemen, as we continue to dissect and bisect the 148th running of Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby, that had 20 horses. That's right. And unexpectedly, as far as I could tell, and Lenny and Yonkers, we had no idea that 21 was running uh, after a late scratch of 20 at 80 to 1, beat everybody to the wire. I don't know. And should I be apologizing because I called the trainer and his entourage a bunch of hillbillies? I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I about passed out. I'm so happy. Yeah, we're going to get into all of that. We got to stay on this. How embarrassing for me. I I had two out of the top three horses. I could have been a winner. We need him, man. Hey! Hey! Careful there, Rick Strike. Oh, is this a wild horse out in the Pampas in Colorado or New Mexico? Rich strike, lucky strike, lightning strike. 80 to 1 shot, last minute addition because another horse was scratched. Number 21 at Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby. I had it, ladies and gentlemen. I predicted two out of the three horses, epicenter to win. I had it, and victory was snatched out of the jaws of defeat by a horse I never heard of that I had no idea was running as a late-minute entry because of a scratch by a uh, trainer, Eric Reed, who sounded like he never won a race before in his life, 
I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. You can't explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who he is. Oh, my God. I got to I gotta straighten this out. Let's go to Sal in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Salvatore. Curtis, forget about the hillbilly. You are a jinx. Remember Jimmy the Greek? When Jimmy the Greek used to make a pick, I used to just shut the TV off because I said, forget it, I can't win, it's impossible. I got to put you in his category now. And Mel Torme, when he used to sing the national anthem, forget it, it's a kiss of death. Wow, Jimmy the Greek from Steubenville, Ohio, where Dean Martin was from. You're right. You're right. So all of a sudden, uh, my prognostications have been so good over the years. I had this one almost nailed. But come on, you have to admit, Sal, you didn't even know that this horse was running in this race. But come on, Curtis, you you jinxed the whole thing. You jinxed us. I had all your picks. I bet everything. I went uh, Yonkers Raceway. Uh, How does this happen? You jinxed us. I was over in in the Bronx, Loretta Park. I was voting for you for mayor. You were going to fix the – what happened? I think somebody's got the evil eye on you. They put the Maloik. You know what the Maloika is? That's what they put on you, the yeah, Maloika. You got to get a good Sicilian woman to take it off of you because somebody put the, the horns on you. Yeah, you're right. A Sicilian mountain woman with a mustache all dressed in black because she's a widow. <laughs> It may be the only way to take this Italian curse off the Maluk here. But you know something? There's one thing here. I think we can all agree uh, that when you listen to the trainer, Eric Reed, probably they went to celebrate at an olive garden. I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And- they probably think that's real Italian food, Sal. <laughs> Not even close. You know <sighs> You know what the real Italian food is. I know, but I feel so bad because so many people like you and others had trusted in me. You got you got to call Bo Dito and make him take you to Rails, and he's got the the connection over there. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I'll probably get shot when I go there. But <laughs> I can't tell you how many degenerate gamblers go to Rails and they'll be saying, "Hey, Sliwa, uh, it, it was all working out. Okay, you had two out of the three out of a trifecta." Uh, if I had made some exotic bets, could have made a lot of money, and then all of a sudden, 80-1 shot. I didn't even know he was in the race. Now, you know he he had to be milkshake, Sal. How the hell did he come from all the way in the back? He was way in the back. Hey, listen, it happens. You know, it happens. The horses, who knows? We don't know. Maybe the jockey. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into these things. I mean, the other guy you had who's talking about the drugs and the steroids. I don't know if I buy all that. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, they do juice these horses up. But, I, I mean, you can't. we can't prove anything. I mean, it, it happens. You know, it's just a freak thing. You know, I mean, you couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't have picked that if I tried. It's impossible. Let me tell you something. Victory snatched out of the jaws of defeat. Boy, I would have been a hero instead of a zero now to you, Sal, and so many others who actually took my word based on my track record over the years when I have picked winners at the Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. 
And now all of a sudden, my reputation is tarnished. It's in shambles, Sal. I think it's your ex-wife, the one that that, that married married the old the other governor. I think she put the she put the Jewish uh, evil eye on you. No, nah, she wasn't Jewish. She was Polish. You see, there've been so many wives. You're confused as I am, Sal. <laughs> I lose count. You know, I forget who's who. <laughs> That's Mary. That's Mary. All Polish all the time. Uh, uh, That's the mother of my oldest son, Anthony, who's uh, here. He's an intern. We do the uh, we do the uh, uh, podcast together of father and son. If anybody ever has additional time, you want to listen to it, go to WABCradio.com to hear that podcast. But wow, this is this is so embarrassing. I don't know what to say. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Allen. Well, not Allen, New York. I'm not in the mood for that right now. Let's go to Russell in Ohio. I mean, we were talking about this jockey I never heard from uh, of who apparently is based out of Mahoney Valley in Ohio, Sonny Leon. Did you know this jockey, Russell? <laughs> no, I got real lucky, uh, Curtis. I don't understand really how this happened, but a bunch of guys from work was uh, making bets, and I had $31.25 in my pocket this morning, and right before the uh, uh, race started, I told them to put it on the uh, longest long shot, and lo and behold, we can see what, what happened now. I'm uh, 2500 bucks richer. Oh, my God. Now, did you report it to the IRS? <laughs> Not yet, but I probably will. Uh, I, I would hesitate. I would hesitate. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> hell, take every nickel, dime, and penny you have. Oh, I know it's craziness. Damn government! Just I, I can't. I, I just can't hardly even explain what I feel about the government now. This is amazing. You just told your partners, your friends, hey, just put it on the the biggest long shot. A last-minute entry, Friday morning, unexpectedly. Uh, this horse entered the race, got the number 21. I didn't even know there was a number 21 in this race. Russell, when I saw this horse come out of nowhere, uh, it's almost like it came out of the backstretch, like maybe it jumped over the uh, the barrier. <laughs> yeah. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, I it was amazing. I, I, I give them the money and stuff, and I didn't even watch the race. I, I got blown away when they, they started calling me on the cell phone. And what the hell are you guys calling me about? So you won, you won, you won. Russell, you got to take a moment when time permits to watch this race. Now you know who the winner is, 21, and follow the track of 21 out of the starting gate. He fell way behind. Now, remember, there's 20 horses in the race. It's very difficult to come up from behind him when there's 20 horses. And then towards the end, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I don't understand how he'd won it, but uh, I'm glad he did. The money comes in handy, but I just thought I'd call let you know that somebody did win on the on the old guy. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's adding more insult to injury. Now I'm going to be reminded uh, about this everywhere I go. Hey, Sliwa, you said, oh, Epicenter was going to win. You said for me to take a reverse mortgage on the house, take my kid, my grandchildren's uh, college education fund, melt my 401k down to a 201k. Well, look, I got two out of the top three. If you had played it right, 
you walked away with some money. I understand. Epicenter was going off at three to one, and I think uh, uh, ultimately, by the time that the um, the gates opened up and the race was on, the two minutes, uh, Zanon, uh, I think, was going off at like five to one, six to one. Hey, you might have made some money, but I still feel bad. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Tom calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here. At WABC, Tommy. Dobry dzień, Curtis. That's all I remember in Polish. Anyway. Uh, 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 Polish, Italian. I, I'm just flabbergasted, flustered, stymied. I mean, there are so many words I can use to describe my feelings having watched victory snatched out of the jaws of defeat. The one good thing is I don't have a TV, so I didn't get a chance to watch it, which is good. I would have got to upset myself. Well, why is that, Tom? Uh, did you have a, a horse in this race? Uh, did you have a favorite in this race? No, I don't know anything about horse race. I'll be honest with you. But what I do know is I, I was staying in the, a, a while ago. I went to a PTSD program out in Cincinnati, right up, right in Kentucky. Right up, actually, it was in Kentucky, um, and. Uh, a friend of mine had a uh, an alpaca farm. In- Warning, carrier off. What the hell is that? That's an act of sabotage on Tom in Brooklyn. Oh, is this Frank Morano sabotaging? Oh my God! See, now there's going to be a pylon from Frank's crew, Matt and Alex and. Uh, who was the other guy there? What's his name? I need that cut. I need that cut if we can. Uh, Avery, what is that cut uh, the other night? Who was it there? I'm trying to remember who, who was the board operator at that time when Frank Morano was rumbling and mumbling and stumbling. I need to, I need to hear that. Yeah. Let me hear that, please. Uh, He's the farthest from genuine in the world, so. Fair enough, Tuna. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. So far, I'm alone on this one. What about you, Philippe? If you were, if you were met a mayor that you didn't like their politics and they wanted to take a photo with you, would you, would you want to take a photo with them or would you run away? Philippe? Yeah, I guess you're not listening. All right. You guess you weren't listening to anything I just said. Sleeping. I didn't mean to throw you here, Philippe. Not exactly a, a trick question. Never mind. Never mind. We're, we're moving on. We're moving. His board operator fell asleep on him. That's how boring Frank Morano was. Felipe, or whatever the hell his name is. Can you imagine how embarrassing? Now, I've been embarrassed. Juan from Boston fell asleep on me uh, from Bolivia. And then Eileen from Queens uh, fell asleep on me just uh, 24 hours ago as I was screaming. Right from my gonads, screaming to wake her up. Juwan is sleeping now. Do I do this to people? Do I put people to sleep? Now I feel a lot better because uh, Frank Morano put his board operator to sleep. Felipe or whatever the hell the guy's name is. Imagine he fell asleep at the controls. Could, that, that That is symptomatic of how boring Frank must have been at that moment of the other side of midnight. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve calling from Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hello, Curtis. How you doing? I, I'm not supposed to say how you doing. Forget, I don't want to know how you're doing. Anyway, uh, the Hillbillies, you got to change their names. They are now the Beverly Hillbillies. That's right. They're gonna be rough. They're gonna be rich like there's no tomorrow. Black- I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. And- Steve, now which part of Florida are you calling from? I'm, I'm outside Daytona Beach. It's the third time I'm calling you now. I, 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 I'm hooked on you, buddy. I, I listen to you every weekend. Now you know there are a lot of tracks in Florida, especially down south near Hollandale, Hollywood. You hit that whole area, a lot of racetracks. Used to have dog tracks in Florida. I think they're all gone. But the point. Yeah, they did away with I think there might be. I don't know. I think they did away with most of them, yeah. Yeah, but the point being is that I got to believe that a lot of those altacacas, those degenerate gamblers who live in the in the tracks, when they saw number 21 coming out of nowhere and winning that, even they had to be shaking their heads saying there's something wrong here. This is impossible. This is sort, yeah. this is sort of like at the Daytona 500. It was crazy. It was crazy. I watched the race today. I couldn't believe it. This horse coming out of nowhere. And then at the end... The horse, you know, is trotting around because it's feeling its oats. You know, it beat the uh, the other 19 horses. Okay, I get it. And it's attacking all the ponies around that are trying to escort it to the winner's circle. We need him in. Hey! Hey! Careful there, Rich Stryker. I saw that. I couldn't believe it. He would not stop attacking. And then the guy on the pony was actually hitting the winning horse. Yeah, well, because the horse wouldn't let go of his pony. He was hitting the winning horse. I'm saying, what the hell's going on here? We need him. Hey, hey! That's the guy. That's the guy you're talking about. Yeah. Hey, I was reading about this horse when the uh, trainer, that Eric uh, Reed guy, called up the owner and said, "Hey, I have a horse." He goes, "I'm sending you a picture." He sent the picture of the horse was laying in the hay with all the people on top of it. The trainers and stuff were laying on it. And he goes, well, I guess if you can wake that horse up, we'll put him in the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why I call them hillbillies. They look like they had just come from uh, the back roads of West Virginia or Kentucky where they had a moonshine unit. Yeah, They all had these big, dumb grins on their face. And now, you know, as you can hear, some of these callers just come on. You can't be calling them hillbillies. Well, you know what? They, they call us Yankees anyway. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a damn Yankee. You know what a Yankee and a damn Yankee and a goddamn Yankee is? No, you bifurcated it into like three. Okay, well, let me tell you the differences of okay, a Yankee. Okay, okay. all right. A, a Yankee is a person from up north. A damn Yankee is a person like me. You move to Florida and you stay here. A goddamn Yankee, well, they might have a new definition for that goddamn Yankee, is a person that comes from up north, moves to Florida, and they complain about it and wish they want to go back to New York. But they might have a new, you might be the new goddamn Yankee. <laughs> they call them, you got to call them the <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you, you know, this is, uh, this would be similar if you had the Daytona 500 
all these race cars going around that oval, round and round, and then all of a sudden one of them got turbocharged, and they just, like, rocketed in the lead. And immediately the stewards at the racetrack would call call that car and that driver over to the side. They would impound that car. They would do a complete forensic analysis of the engine. Everything in that motor would be inspected to make sure that it met the specifications and that they weren't cheating. Yes, yes. Something Just about like that. the guy that won the five horse race. He should have been banned for life, that guy. It's unbelievable. He only got two years. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, Steve, there's something very strange here. I, I can't get myself to accept this. Let's go to Mike in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Mikey. Yeah, Curtis, you'd be the mayor sliver. <laughs> I got to commiserate with you. I had the same thing in two bars. I had $50 and $20 on number three mm. experience. And I, I said to myself, I kind of would accept the fact if it was a, a 10 to 1 horse that came by. But uh, 80 to 1? 80 to 1 with a trainer who had never been there before, an owner who had never been there, a jockey who had never been there, and you say to yourself, I would have won $1,400 on 70 bucks. And I said, I I had a laugh. And I said, where the hell? A 21 horse? I thought there was 20 horses. Yeah. Who Who the hell is a 21 horse? I said, what is this horse jump over the fence, the last pearl? Yeah, I got a guy I, in a marathon jumping out of the woods in the last five yards. Yeah. I got to believe that the stewards at the track there at Churchill Downs are doing a complete analysis of this. Uh, they're probably not only studying film, they're probably uh, testing around uh, the clock. Uh, I got to believe that I, I think they needed a horse to enter at the last second. They probably didn't even t- test it. They're supposed to quarantine a horse. I was say, right, exactly. I mean, this horse had to be shot up 80 to 1. I mean, he should have been 20th place. I mean, I, winning the race. I still I go back to what Dean, the degenerate horse player in New Jersey, said that originally down in Louisiana, that the horse that I had recommended everyone to bet on that you had bet on, Epicenter, had beat him by like twenty furlongs. It's sort of like he was. This this doesn't make sense. This yeah, does not right. make sense, man. Something wrong. Something wrong. Well, All right, man. Nice talking. Well, I appreciate that. Is Mike was going from gin mill to gin mill? It's really. Let's go to also uh, Stanley in the Bronx. Uh, I'm so depressed here. I let so many people down. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Stanley. It's Sammy. Oh. Hello? Yeah, yeah. So I call you Stanley. So now you're telling me you're Sammy. I'm Sammy from the Bronx. All right. I hear you. I want want to ask you a personal opinion. Who do you think is the greatest uh, horse that ever lived? Wow, that's uh, but remember, how do you compare horses from different eras against one another other than just uh, their timing? Uh, I really can't say one horse was superior to another, but you must have one in mind, Stanley. Yes, it's it's uh, 
Mr. Ed, he's the only guy to hit a fastball off Sandy Koufax in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> Mister, that's right. I'm, I'm thinking back. That's right. That episode at Chavez Ravine Dodgers Stadium in which Mr. Ed right clocked Sandy Koufax. I forgot all about that. He's the greatest horse that ever lived. <laughs> and he talked. He talked. Wow, I forgot all about that. That's right. Chavez Ravine. I remember they brought Mr. Ed there. Who who was it that brought him there? It wasn't the trying to remember what the hell that actor's name was. They would always No, it's what's his name? Uh the the, the manager from the from the LA Dodgers. Now, at that point, let's see. It wasn't obviously Tommy Lasorda. That was well after no, that. No, it was uh, I, Alston. I can't think of his name. Walter uh, Alston. No, it wasn't Walter Alston. Wow, who was it? Was it? Leo, De, Leo DeRocha played oh, in that episode. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. All right, that part of it uh, I miss. Leo DeRocha, also a degenerate gambler, I might add. And he said, okay, Sandy, pitch to Ed, and... Ed had the baseball bat in his mouth, and he hit the and he hit the ball, and he ran around the bases, and he slid to home plate. That was the funniest episode I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> ah, Leo DeRosha. You know they they washed him out of baseball for a year because he was a degenerate gambler. You're right. Yeah. In the meantime, they won't let uh, Pete Rose back. They won't even let him go to a Major League Baseball stadium, anything uh, attached to Major League Baseball. The guy's got to be signing autographs in Vegas. And now they're promoting gambling on baseball. Now, how the hell does that make any sense? I don't know. But you know why that that horse today won the Kentucky Derby? Why is that? I'll tell you why. My ex-girlfriend serviced him in the stables before uh, he won. <laughs> take it easy, buddy. <laughs> oh. You know he did not like his ex-girlfriend. Let's go to Denise, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Denise. Hey, Curtis. First of all, I want to tell you that I'm an animal advocate. That's number one. Yes. And I have tremendous respect for Nancy and for you. Yes. Okay? And I used to ride all the time. Mm. Okay? That was my passion. But I despise horse racing. And at the beginning of this race, I, heard, I listened to you last night, by the way, because I didn't know what milkshaking was. And you said, you told me what it was, and you said it was cheating. Oh, big me, time. It's not, it, yeah, yeah, it's not cheating. It's animal abuse. So at the beginning of this race today, I was very, very concerned because you said the track was wet all week long. And I knew it was a sloppy, wet track. So at the beginning of the race, I have to be honest with you. All I did was pray for the two minutes for the safety of all those horses. Oh, wow. That's that's bias. so kind of you to do that because most, time most times uh, people would not even be concerned about the horses. They're just assuming the horses will be, be able to stay in one ple- uh, piece. A I lot know, of times they break down in the race yeah. and then they have to destroy them there. That's right. Remember the times that that was happening on, on the race, on the racetrack? The horses were just sort of falling and dropping dead on the, on the track. They didn't know why. But the bottom line is that I guess 
in the back of my mind, I guess I could probably say, if you ever saw the movie, Seabiscuit, broken down jockey, broken down horse, and he came in first. Mm. So I just am pleased that, as I said, I despise horse racing. And I and I rode all the time. And I could only enjoy the ride, by the way, if the horse enjoyed the ride. I rode Western, I rode English, and I loved riding bareback. Okay? Mm. And as I said, I am an animal, animal advocate across the board. I've had, by the way, between you and me, okay, I've had more strays that I have rescued. They came to me, not me. Had them spayed, took care of them, brought them back to health. Never got anybody adopted and took care of more than double the amount that you have. Yeah. So I have dedicated my life to all animals. No, so you're, 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 you're so right. Uh, caring for the animals, which uh, horse racing does not. Uh, if they break down in the race, and let's say the horse goes down, breaks a leg, it's so easy to do. The legs are so tiny to hold up an animal of that size, straining every muscle, pushing against all odds uh, compared to what the horse should be able to do. And that's why they have that ambulance that follows the horses. They'll surround that horse. They'll put like a drape up and they'll kill the horse right there on the track. Lethal injection. And then they'll drag the horse into that ambulance and bring him to the backstretch. But it's happened way too many times. And the likes of Bob Baffert uh, has contributed to that as clearly he's uh, juiced up uh, his horses over the years. Many people have said that. They finally had the documentary evidence on him. Uh, and that's why you didn't see the guy with the white hair and the tinted glasses this time around. Last year, he won the Kentucky Derby, his horse, Medina Spirit. But eight days later, uh, that horse was uh, disqualified because they had found that Baffert had cheated. And then eventually that horse died at a heart attack while out on the track. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Classic Marvin Gaye. Gaye spelled with an E because Marvin didn't want to have the same last name that his daddy gave him. His daddy who eventually ended up killing him. In Los Angeles where he grew up not far from the track at Santa Anita. Quick side story. They had... Um, Crackdown on immigration, illegal immigration in California when Ronald Reagan was governor. Interesting, they ended up cleaning out Santa Anita track in the backstretch. The groomers, the hot walkers, the riders, most of them were illegals. After a week, everybody went to Ronald Reagan and said, you're losing a lot of tax revenue here because we don't have enough people to run the track. It was mostly being run the day-to-day work. Of maintaining the horses, walking the horses, hot walking them, riding them, grooming them, feeding them. It was being done by illegals. So all of a sudden, Ronald Reagan said, what illegals? And the track was back in business. Boy, how quickly it all centered around money. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ann in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann. Hey, 
Hi, Curtis. Listen, I have two quick things to tell you uh, or to mention. One is I keep watching the race because you keep wondering how the horse won. But when I'm watching it, those really top horses, the ones that everybody thought was going to win, they were all together. They left a wide opening for Rich Strike. All the guy had to do was come. They totally ignored the fact that this horse was any threat. So they didn't even pay any attention to him. He saw the opening. He went through it, and he won. Now, you got to keep on. And and you you did see, though, uh, at the end, where the winning horse, uh, Rich Strike, Lucky Strike, uh, uh, whatever the strike is, You saw how he was biting uh, the ponies that were trying to escort him to the winner's circle. Curtis, he just won the Kentucky Derby. Do you think he really thought that any stupid pony needed to be used to lead him out of that track? We need him, man. Hey! Hey! I would bet you, I would bet you, you know, once they took him back to the stall, they probably uh, had to calm him down because he was really worked up. They probably gave him some uh, Xylazin, which is a street name for Trank, which is a non-opiate uh, sedative for horses. But had, if you just won the Kentucky Derby, Curtis, you'd be a little bit kind of wired, too, you know? Hmm. So you, <laughs> Can I you, tell you one other thing? Well, wait a second. Let me ask you a question, of, Ann. As a cognoscente of the sport... You don't think this race was fixed? You think it was legit? Oh, absolutely. Did you bet on this race, uh, Ann? No. Actually, if I were going to bet and I was thinking about it, uh, which I really don't usually bet, and I think he came in last, it would have been Happy Jack because that was my father's name. Oh. I would have done something like that. But, you know, Curtis, I called you once before and I was complimenting you on the fact that you give a lot of you were just talking about the track and, and Reagan and you always give this history. I know that you have a little knowledge about Native Americans In Native Americans. Every tribe has what they call a storyteller. That's the most important person in the tribe. And they tell the younger people. And they tell the stories about the culture, the history, why things are happening. To me, you are the storyteller of New York City. Ah, well, that is a tremendous compliment. We got a lot of storytellers uh, here in New York, a lot of male yentas and no, no, female no. yentas. Uh, that, that, no, no, no. that is you, a, you, no. that's a top compliment. You, you give the facts. You are an authentic storyteller. As good as a Navajo storyteller, a Pueblo storyteller, you are the storyteller of New York City. Well, let me tell you about the Sioux. There I was at the Rosebud uh, Reservation in South Dakota. It's like those reservations take up like most of the state. And we were visiting them because they were, believe it or not, having some gang problems on the res influenced out of Chicago from black gangster disciples and vice lords. Yeah, yeah, some of the Indian youth were getting all pumped up about wanting to be gangbangers. So I brought a group of uh, guardian angels with me from Chi-Town, Chicago, and Minneapolis. Some native Indian guardian angels from uh, South Minneapolis, the American Indian Center. And so uh, what we had to do is 
we had a show that we were macho. So first we had to go into the sweat. That's a hut where they pour water on these hot stones and then they cover it. And then you got to eat the dirt because if you breathe in that hot air, it's going to sear your lung. And you can't wait to get out of there. And then you got to dive into this uh, tributary, this water that's like freezing. And then you got to ride horses bareback. And I'll never forget one of the young uh, Native Indian uh, guardian angels from Minneapolis. He gets up on that horse like uh, he was born on the horse. And the horse takes off. And then the horse I'm on takes off following that horse, and the other horses follow my horse. And then we reach a ravine, and I'm holding on for dear life the mane of the horse because I'm going ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And whereas the native Indian's horse jumps over the ravine, my horse stops, and I fly over the ravine, hit the ground. It's like I got hit by uh, George Foreman five times. I was knocked out. Walking around all woozy for like a day and a half. It's like I was drunk as a skunk. Never got on a horse again. Boy, that horse just flung me off of it. And over the ravine, I went, woo, pow. Man, I wouldn't even get on one of those uh, horses that I put my sons on when they were young. You know, you put a little quarter in there and uh, the, the rocking horse. I wouldn't even get on one of them. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Pete in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Curtis, I got a story for you that's going to knock your socks off. Yesterday, they had advanced betting, female female horses, uh, and, you know, you could bet the double in this uh, Kentucky Derby. So I made a, uh, I bet the horse to win. It was D. Wayne Lucas's horse to one, uh, Solemn Oat. And he won. He paid uh, nine eighty, And I got a $5 double wheel going in this race. So now I go to the window. It's over close to $8,000 I'm getting back. I go to the window. I got my paperwork, my license, everything out. And I hand the gentleman the ticket. And he goes, I don't know why you got all your paperwork out. You got five hours coming back. So five hours coming back. I got over eight thousand dollars coming back. He says no. He goes, you got a five hour scratch on a twentieth horse. So I says what? So I called my lawyer and my law firm that I got bought that I own in Staten Island. Says to me, did you pay an admission to get into winners and they own? I says no. Well, if you were at the track. You you bet when you played uh, wheel, I played all. Now, what they did, they scratched the 20. Now, who's the trainer of the 20? Dwayne Lucas, the one that won the first part of double. Now, I could not find out what that double paid. It wasn't listed on any of the returns, okay? Now, because I didn't pay an admission, if I went and went to act with that and paid the admission to get in, I don't have the right to get that ticket back. So I asked the manager, could I have the ticket back? Could I at least take a picture with you? They said no. They called the security guard. So I said, okay, I'll go out the door. But I played all. I didn't play 1 to 20 or 1 to 21. By right, they should, when they scratch that 21, they should move it up to post position 20 like they always did at the track. 
and the 21 was the horse for the number. Now, think about so, it, Pete. You went to Bayonne, which is in the most corrupt Democratic county in America, Hudson County, correct? I found out. Uh, did you think maybe you should have gone somewhere else other than Hudson County and Bayonne? Well, that was convenient to get to. And uh, I went there. I go there all the time. And I didn't think that something like that would happen to me. Well, on one, this, one this, event, this and, would be my suggestion. Um, the Bayonne bleeder, Chuck Weppner, still has a gin mill there. You may want to pay a visit to Chuck and say, Chuck, I need you to do me right. Uh, your friend Curtis Sliwa sent me. I need I need a favor from you, Chuck. I need you to go in and rough this guy up. Because remember, this is what Chuck used to do all the time. And I, right. I think, Pete, if you tell him that I asked, he'll do it. He'll rough this guy up. You'll get your $8,000. Guarantee you. Uh, no way. It's a done deal. I don't have proof. I don't have the ticket. They wouldn't give it to me. They wouldn't even let me take a picture of it. But I pressed the button all. That means every horse that runs, not what was eligible, what. And that's why that horse paid $80. And you couldn't bet that horse until yesterday about 11 o'clock because that horse wasn't even entered. How do you do that? How do they do that? I mean, how do people even handicap if you're going to have a horse in there that you're not unfamiliar, you don't know which track record, it's past, you don't know nothing. This was a fraud. I'm playing horses for 40 years, and I never seen anything like this. You know, I really didn't. And you know what? I ended up going earlier, and I bet the horse uh, was uh, Santini. He paid like 980 and I wheeled it, right? That one I got paid on for $5. This, I, I'm not, I'm this, I, uh, Pete, this is an absolute outrage. But then again, you're in Hudson County, the most corrupt Democratic county of the many corrupt Democratic counties, starting with Cook County, make that Cook County in Illinois, Queens County and Brooklyn County, Kings County, very corrupt, Bronx County, very corrupt. And, of course, Hudson County, run by the Capo de Tutti, the most corrupt U.S. senator of all the senators on the Hill in the cloakroom, Bobby Menendez. This is what you get. Let's go to Anthony, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Anthony. Yeah, hi, Curtis. You know, I want to say a couple of calls back, the guy said, God damn. You know, and you may think I'm ridiculous, but... You know, I just wish some of these people would just take God, in, I mean, not take him, you know, take his name in vain and everything like that. You may think I'm a holy roller, which I'm not. And some people may be saying, oh, come on. Even your call screen has said, oh, come on. You know, somebody's got to stick up for God, you know, and that's the problem with this country is that there are too many people who don't reverence God anymore. All right. So just please just put these people in their place when they say something like that, please. You make a very good point, except the Floridian there from Daytona. He was just trying to point out how there are three categories. He was explaining what the categories are. I don't think he personally uh, uses that kind of language or believes in that, but he was explaining how people are referred to down there uh, when they are Yankees. So I think we, we yeah, well, Anthony, we got to give him dispensation. We got to give him dispensation. But you're right. You're right. I I should have corrected I, 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 him on that. 
I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm not a holy roller. I know you're not either and everything like that. I just, I just, you have some respect for God. That's what I say, Curtis. That's all I say, man. No, good point. And good, I, good point. And, 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 I, and you, I, you do God's work, I believe. You're you and your wife. You rescue these innocent animals, and, and you stand up for people who don't have a voice and everything. And I love you, Curtis. I really do. I'm just saying it out of respect. Excellent, excellent point. I'm off my game today because I'm so crestfallen. I had the winners. I had the first two horses. And then all of a sudden, rich strike, lucky strike, lightning strike comes out of nowhere and snatches my victory out of the jaws of defeat. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ina in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ina. Thank you, Curtis. Curtis, you should have you should have put in the long shot in. My mother would have win would have got that. She never go to the racetrack and don't play the long shot with the favorite and and the one that they they pick on the lot and the paper. But um that horse is like um like secretarian. He's three years old, he's young, he's a good horse. And I and I think he's gonna win the 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 the, the Preakness too, and go on to Belmont. I hope so. Will you be Will you be betting on Rich Strike? Yes, but you, you know nowadays I don't even know where to go and bet. It's it's not like the o, when at the OTB or when but whenever races we go out there. Oh, we are, slowly we are, I turn. I turn, Ina, you reminded me of the days of OTB and its glory. Well, I think it was back in the 1980s. They had about 150 betting parlors throughout New York City, the five boroughs. They have no others. But it reminds me uh, of that episode from Seinfeld where Kramer is on the subway and he overhears a conversation that he feels is a tip about a winning horse. There it is. There it is. A four horse in the first race. Pumping it. How do you know he's going to win? My UPS guy, Lance. The guys who own the horse are his regular customers. Every horse he's ever given me is one. Yeah. yeah. See, they've been sandbagging, looking for a good spot. He's been getting in light because they're using a bug boy on him, and the workouts have been unpublished. Now they're ready to run with him. They're going to break his mane. He's going to go for a great price, maybe 30 to 1. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. This horse loves the slop. It's in his bloodlines. His father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother? What did I just say? Come on, let's go up to the office. I'm going to call my bookie. Hey, don't tell anybody. And here's Kramer. He's all wide awake and bushy-tailed, so what did he do? He ran to an OTB to make his bet based on that tip that he had overheard. They're going to break his maiden. Really? Yeah, but it's a little slow out there. It rained last night. Oh, this baby loves the slop. Loves it. Eats it up. Eats the slop. Born the slop. His father was a mutter. His father was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. What did I just say? Boy, it conjured up memories of OTB off-track betting. How the hell did the bookies at OTB... Declare Chapter 9 bankruptcy. I mean, bookies, they always have the edge. 
Hazel Dukes was running OTB for David Dinkins. What a disaster. Michael Mbaticic, Rudy Giuliani brought on the Ali Sherman, former quarterback, Brooklyn College, went on to become coach of the Giants. As uh, Vince Lombardi went to uh, coach the uh, Green Bay Packers and Tom Landry went to coach the Dallas Cowboys. And that left the coaching uh, position available to Ali Sherman. Ali Sherman ran OTB, although I remember originally in 1970. Howie the Horse Samuels was appointed by uh, John Lindsay to run OTB. And Howie the Horse, uh, I think, ran for governor like three times. Ran against uh, U.S. Supreme Court Judge uh, Arthur Goldberg, who gave up his uh, justice position in order to try to knock off Rockefeller. He failed, although he beat Howie the Horse Samuels in the primary. And then you carry four years later, beat Howie the Horse Samuels in the primary. But there was one OTB that had a restaurant. That'll be our first question, our trivia question. Where was the OTB that had a restaurant? I'm talking about, well, it was about 2009. I think they had about 66 parlors. But one of them was with a restaurant. 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C. Let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at W.A.B.C., Giuseppe. Yeah, hi, Curtis. Um, um, I'm an old horse player back in the days, and I remember when all the trainers kind of sounded like him. All right? They were all from Kentucky or from Louisiana, from, you know, the Middle West and from California. They were mostly all, in the beginning, swam boys that worked around horses and sounded like that man. Second thing, as far as the race, it cost that owner $50,000 to enter his horse. Uh, Maybe you and I, you know, won't be able to do that, but he evidently is able to do that. And they made an investment. And another thing, if that horse even came in fifth, I think they they mentioned that the purse was $90,000 for running fifth. As far as the jockey, when I saw the overhead uh, coverage of the race, uh, that kid steered that horse between, in, out, and back without getting in any trouble, and Rick got finally at the last, you know, 16th of a mile on the inside and just laid the horse down. And the final thing, from what I remember as a young man, um, horses um, tended to bite. Um, They, uh, it, it has something to do with their, their sexual feelings at the time. And I imagine that that horse, uh, after that race, was feeling his oats, as they say. Wow. So you think he was uh, psychosexual? I think he was, he's in his prime. And, you know, <laughs> when I was a youngster, you could have played all day and made love all night. Uh, and I think that's where that horse is at this at this point, and probably 
most three-year-olds, unless they gelled them, that's something else. Now, question here. You said that Eric Reed, who was the trainer, sounds like a lot of other trainers of horses, thoroughbreds over the years. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. You can't and explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Okay, and I, I, again, you go back 50 years ago when I did go to Belmont and did go to Aqueduct. I even, I'm old enough that I went to Jamaica racetrack at one time. Wow. You know, quite a while ago. Um, A lot of the trainers sounded like that. They were farm boys. They were Kentucky guys. Um, They either sounded like that or they sounded like Frank Martin. Do you remember Frank Martin? Oh, well, I don't remember Frank Martin, but I know Frank Morano. We'll be talking about him coming up, him and his crew. You're not going to want to miss it. Don't fall asleep, that's for sure. I got to keep you pumping and jumping at six. Let's go to Lou calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lou. Curtis, my man, you should be mayor, number one. Number two. Maiden Lane in Water Street. That's where they served excellent food for the BTO OTB. I went to in the second area of 52nd Street also. I've been playing horses since 1970. The race, by the way, was that the pace of the race was extremely fast. 45 to 4 furlongs is a sprint time. 22 for a quarter mile. The reason why a horse won is a closer. Improving three-year-old. I had the three. I had the. I loved the three. I had three eleven on the triples. The eleven was last, but the three was ran a monster race. He got beat. Reed is a fantastic trainer, by the way, on the West Virginia circuit and Ohio circuit. Monster trainer. He's been around the business for forty years. Well, Lou, uh, you were correct in uh, choosing the, the location of what had been the restaurant OTB uh, in Manhattan. So uh, make sure, Avery, you take care of Lou, not that you sugar him up with uh, money from the uh, wager you made on, who is that, Lucky Strike, Lightning Strike, Rich Strike. I didn't even know that horse was in the race. Make sure we send Lou that baseball cap that he can rock at the track, Belmont, Saratoga, or Aqueduct, that has our iconic logo, WABC, and naturally Curtis Slee were there, and people were going to say, I lost money because of that guy. You may not necessarily want to wear it for a while, ladies and gentlemen. Well, 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 we have a new theme song for the swagger man who doesn't have a plan in managing this city or fighting crime. That's Eric Adams. The swagger man does not have a plan. And let's face it, he'd rather be in Hollyweird At the uh, Hollywood Bowl, watching more performances of the Trendoids, Freakasoids, and Jet Setters, who he loves to hang with. Like Jay-Z, Beyonce, Jamie Foxx, Elon Musk, and Madonna. He is starstruck. There's another term we use, but if I were to use that... I get knocked off the air by the FCC. But this is Eric Adams' new theme song. 
Listen to what Cool in the Gang, the old Cool in the Gang, have to say. Yeah, Eric, I know you're at Zero Bond Club tonight. Because you're a Hollywood swinger. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> oh, he's a Hollywood swinger, that's for sure. Going to restaurant after restaurant ever since he uh, touched back in terra firma in New York City. In fact, he was with Gavin Wax of the Young Republicans. What the hell was that? The New York Young Republicans at some Thai restaurant. What the hell was Gavin Wax taking a picture of that and sending it out? He said, disgraziata, Shanda. Then he was over at the Empire Steakhouse. This guy is going to restaurants. Now, do we really think that the mayor is paying for any of his food? Ha, 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 ha. You know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> This is his theme from now on. Hollywood swing it, Hollywood swing it, Hollywood swing it. Yeah, Eric Adams, come on out and play. I know you're in the Zero Bond Club, the private club for all the heavy hitters, the trendoids, freakasoids, and jet setters, because at the Zero Bond Club, whatever happens at the Zero Bond Club stays in the Zero Bond Club. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And with Eric Adams, as the crime is rising, shows no sign of leveling off or declining. He keeps talking about how it's all about the swagger. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> so he comes back to New York City and people are jawboning saying, yo, 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 what's this globetrotting you're doing? Going on junkets. Like you got a job to do in the city that requires you to be available 24-7, 365. And so then all of a sudden, Eric Adams, instead of saying, you're right, I got a little carried away with myself. You know, I'm hanging there. Jamie Foxx with that stupid Bullwinkle sheriff's hat on his head. And, you know, I'm I'm hanging out there, you know. <laughs> he he refers to them bases now, you know, you know, you know how they are. It's like, come on. And then he talks about how he's gonna go on more junkets. First of all, you know, the headline, you know, your paper is unique with this headline, but we ignore that. This is what I must do. I must do what other mayors are doing. They're coming to my city, in our city, encouraging businesses to go to their city. They're learning from our ideas. And if I'm going to sit home while other people are coming, taking our businesses, that's a big mistake. I'm going to crisscross the globe. And I'm going to show people our product. I need businesses here. We want to be the center of life sciences, cybersecurity, uh, Bitcoin, blockchain. And then we must go and learn what other cities are doing. That is what we want to do. It's called the junket. It's called going out of your city and sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. 
blockchain, Bitcoin, what, that Ponzi scheme that you're trying to get more and more people involved in, the hedge fund monsters. Wow, you cater only to the, the wealthy and the rich. And I know it's a lot of white people. What's up with that brother? Is he forgetting the brothers and sisters out there? Can I have a little Hollywood swing in here? Broadway, Bill, Lee, I need a little bit of music uh, to sort of get that move on my groove. I know Avery, this is the old fool in the gang. Yeah! From Jersey City. In fact, I love Cool in the Gang, the old one from Jersey City, but then I found out they were followers of Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And I said, am I going to continue to listen to the old Cool in the Gang, Papa Bell from Jersey City, or am I going to let the politics interfere? Well, as you can see, I have figured out since the old Cool in the Gang followed Screwy Louis Farrakhan, and Eric Adams, the mayor, followed Screwy Louis Farrakhan in the 1990s. I just done a shidduch. He's got his theme song. Listen. I remember not too long ago. I went to a theater and I saw the cool in the gang show. Oh, yeah. And I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> all about the swagger. In fact, uh, Broadway uh, Bill Lee, let me hear Eric Adams talking about the swagger number 19. And you brought some swagger tonight. Uh, yes, yes. You know, I walk around with swagger in my pocket because I like to share it. <laughs> the hell is this, man? He's going to every restaurant. And I know he ain't paying for none of his meals. You know that when them Ferragamo jammy shoes and those custom-made suits. I said, how the hell can he afford that? He's losing money with the Bitcoin now. Come on now. How do you afford those custom-made suits and those Ferragamo shoes? Because you never wear the same suit twice. Yeah, because you're Hollywood now. That's what it should be. That should be his new nickname, Hollywood Eric Adams. Come on, come on. I know you're at Zero Bond tonight. I've had you track there quite a few times, Eric Adams. You got City Hall during the day if you want to make a deal and wine, dine, and pocket line, Eric Adams. And if you miss them uh, on the AM side, you can always catch them in the wee hours of the morning at Club Zero Bond. That's the second city hall. Just come with your ducats, your cheddar, your moolah schmoolah, and get ready to make a campaign contribution because Eric Adams, Hollywood Eric Adams, is telling everyone now he's running for president in four years because he's seen Joe Biden. He's the Brooklyn Biden. But he don't think that he's going to run for another four. So he's already amassing a fortune from all those suckers. I mean, contributors out there. And if you have certain proclivities, you can indulge in all of those proclivities you have at the Zero Bond Club. Because whatever happens at the Zero Bond Club stays at the Zero Bond Club. 
Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Ralph, uh, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, yeah, Ralph. Uh, he's talking about himself being a swagger, okay? And that's exactly what this man is, okay? He's not doing his job. He allowed things to fall by the wayside. And the consequences of that, Eric, is this. People will move out of the city. People will not risk life and limb to go to the city. As a matter of fact, every New Jersey transit train that comes to uh, Red Bank, they are empty going to the city. How did that happen, Eric? And, and every bus is still that live here. Every variable uh, that, that comes to the city, they are all empty. No, no one wants to come to your city right now. That's the bottom line. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, Florida, Texas, and places like that are more desirable places to go into right now. How? I mean, you need to make your city a livable place and, and a city where everyone likes to go to. That's the bottom line. And <laughs> probably electing this man was a huge mistake, Cortez, and you should have been the one. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, uh, there are some voters out there, uh, Ralph, who have already started uh, distributing bumper stickers that say, uh, don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. Next, it'll be placards and posters. Don't blame me, I voted for Sliwa. I've seen him in College Point. I've seen him in Whitestone. I've seen him in Bayside. And I have a feeling they'll be put up in Flushing in Mandarin and Cantonese. Remember, don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mark, who's calling from New Jersey. Also, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Hey, how you doing, Curtis? Uh, anyway, I want, uh, do you know what uh, year uh, uh, Bruce Willis uh, was going to Montclair State? Ah, what year? I know he was a security officer for a while at the Salem Nuclear Power Plant in southern New Jersey. Uh, you are correct. He did go to Montclair, but I don't know exactly when. Uh, okay. Um, uh, do you know if you're going to have any more mob, mob talk on the radio like you used to with uh, Ron Kuby? Uh, yeah, now you got to turn the radio down, Mark, because we're catching the reverb. Uh, it's bouncing, right. it's bouncing all over here. Uh, you are correct. Uh, I specialized in mob talk. In fact, yeah, I, let me take like you it. back. Let me take you back before I was even partnered up with Ron Kuby. I was partnered up with. Uh, trying to remember which wife it was of mine. One, two, three, four. Uh, that's right, Lisa. That's wife number two. Uh, we were angels in the morning. We were morning drive, doing uh, extraordinarily well. And uh, at that time, John Gaddy Sr. was on trial for the very last time when he was found guilty because Sammy the Bull Gravano, his uh, underboss, ate the Parmesan cheese and testified against him. And then they had those clear Memorex tapes that were taken while they were having uh, sit-downs uh, upstairs from the Ravenite uh, Social Club in Little Italy, which is now a dress shop for transgenders, serves serves the Ravenite really well. Uh, and I would talk about what was happening on trial in the Eastern District. The last time Gotti Senior was on trial, every morning for an hour, it was called Mom Talk. I continue to do that when Ron Kuby was my partner. 
And uh, John Gotti Jr. was arrested for kidnapping and trying to kill me, along with Michael Iannotti, who shot me five times with hollow-point bullets, and the uh, driver who uh, copped a plea uh, and ended up getting a brief amount of time. But uh, he told the story of how I was kidnapped and how they tried to kill me. So, yeah, you're right. I need to get back on track with Mom Talk, talking about the Lucchese's, the Gambinos, the Bananos, the Genovese, uh, naturally the... uh, the Clinton crime family, the Cuomo crime family, uh, the DeCalvacantes in New Jersey. I got to get back on track. You're right, Mark. Yeah, yeah, okay. I called you I called you uh, last week, too. I, I substitute teach down Patterson. Oh, wow. In which, in which school? Is that uh, JFK? Yes, JFK, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, tough yeah, school. Uh, big, big high school, too. People don't realize how big JFK High School is in Patterson. East uh, East Patterson uh, gets all the attention, uh, but it is a much sco- uh, much smaller high school than JFK. Yeah, yeah I sub at uh, Eastside, too. I go there occasionally as well. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I promise you, Mark. Uh, I will indulge in mob talk. It will not just be exclusive to the five families of organized crime here on the New York side of the Hudson, but I'll also be talking about uh, uh, my run-ins with mobsters choking on their lobsters, jadrules, knuckle-draggers on the Jersey side, too. Yeah. Hey, do you know what uh, uh, bar uh, uh, Bruce Willis used to uh, bartend? He used to bartend in the city, but I I don't know where. No, no. In fact, uh, the last time uh, I ran into Bruce Willis, this is before uh, he uh, seemed to uh, deteriorate in terms of his uh, control of his mental faculties. He was living right near me. Uh, I'm off of 87 Central Park West in Columbus. He had some kind of uh, apartment, uh, large apartment uh, in the area. And I basically told Bruce Willis, there's only room for one tough guy in this area. You're going to have to move. Little did I realize uh, he had already made the uh, preparations to move to Bedford, New York, uh, and was abandoning ship. I thought it was because of me. Turns out when I checked the real estate paperwork, uh, that was already in process. But maybe I spooked him. Maybe I scared him. Maybe uh, when I was eye-fornicating him and mad-dogging him. And he realized uh, he he was an actor and I was the real deal. Who knows? Maybe he decided to speed it up el rapido. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Corey calling all the way from Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Corey. Hey, Curtis. Damn, what, sure that, uh, uh, hold on a second, hold on a second. You, are you talking uh, in a tunnel uh, there in Florida? Where in Florida are you calling from? I'm sorry. I have new Bluetooth. Is that any better? No, nah, no. Nah, can you take that Bluetooth? Just talk into the uh, microphone on your phone. Do you, you have a cell phone or a uh, landline? I have a cell phone, but I just moved into a house and I have no furniture. All right, well, this so is uh, this is much better. I'm 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 out of there. I'm out of okay. I'm going outside. So, uh, are you sure uh, our mayor uh, Eric Adams weren't wasn't getting wine dine and pocket line at uh, the Kentucky Derby? Hmm, interesting. Uh, uh, he spent so much time in Hollywood. And became a Hollywood swing. You know, and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs>
But you are right. Uh, that would have been the place for Trendoy to be with the mint juleps, the women wearing their bonnets and their spring dresses, the guys wearing their bowler caps and their strange outfits. Uh, I saw, who was it? Uh, I saw there in the crowd uh, from uh, from Toronto. Yeah, there he was. He, he wasn't with uh, Drake. I saw Drake there. He was strutting oh, yeah. his stuff. He's another fake phony Fugazi. Yeah, he, he claims uh, he's a brother. Meantime, he's a booker boy. He studied Talmud and Torah. He's a Jewish kid from Toronto. All right. Well, we'll cut him some slack. Okay. Uh, um, another thing. Uh, the other OTB that was on 4th Avenue in Bay Ridge was Hunter's Steakhouse. Oh, it was? It was a, yeah. They had a they had an OTB. They had like four windows. By the way, uh, did you spend any time there as a degenerate gambler with your sharpened number two pencil and your racing form? No, I was never a degenerate horse gambler. Now, where, 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 where are you living now in Florida, Corey? Uh, Palm Bay. It is by Melbourne. Sure. Um, Space Coast. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And you don't have All any. Right. Fr- you don't have any furniture. You sure you're not squatting in somebody's house? I kick these people's windows in, and I just say no. No, I'm not squatting in anybody's house. And you don't just go do that here because every you don't know who's packing. Like I'm always packing down here, so. Don't don't just go ahead and do that. Well, I tell you what, Corey, uh, Avery, we need to correct this since I gave out misinformation about uh, OTB and its restaurant in Manhattan. Corey has given me some constructive criticism about a off-track betting joint uh, that had a steakhouse over on Fourth Avenue in Bay Ridge, and I'm not going to question Corey or any of the gen- degenerate gamblers who used to stand there smoking, you know, those cheap cigarettes over and over and over with their sharpened number two pencil, working the racing form, and losing all their money at off-track betting. So we're, we're going to send you, uh, Corey. We're going to send you a WABC a baseball cap that you can rock with my name on it. Who knows? It may have some cred down there in Florida, in Melbourne. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Let's go to Jerry, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Uh, Bruce Willis worked at a disco club called Kamikaze, and it was on West Twentieth. Uh, it had different names, but when he was there, it was Kamikaze between Tenth uh, Avenue, Eleventh uh, Avenue, and Tenth Avenue. On the north side of the block. So it was Chelsea. So it was in uh, the Chelsea section. Yeah, right near the Eagle. And uh, the former Eagle's Nest. What was the uh, what was the uh, kamikaze like? It was a mixed crowd. It was a, a disco. It, it had another name for a while. It was called Marquee, and it was kamikaze. It was like a negative karma place. Nothing ever worked there. Never worked. What do you mean by that? And uh, no, everything closed. It just didn't. It never hit it. You know, like some of the other places. All right, but that's Chelsea. You mentioned Eagles Nest. That was a gay club. Yeah, and uh, well, that was a whole different thing. 
And then there was the Women's House of Detention and the spike. And, uh, and then what happened is, you know, the Chelsea Piers got developed and that whole area got ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you liked it when it was hot with those clubs. Oh, yeah. It was fun. You know, now it's, you know, those Chelsea Piers. Yeah, no, 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 I know. I'm telling you, it, it's lost because at, for a certain amount of time, you wanted to go to the Fun House, you wanted to go to the Slime Light, uh, all those clubs. They were over on the west side, near the West Side Highway, and basically what you would say, in Chelsea or near Chelsea. You remember the meat market area when it was fun and bloody? You know, from all the, the meat hanging <laughs> now it became very, you know, Diane von Furstenberg. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's too upscale. Uh, you know, it's a place that Eric Adams would hang out now. So you're not going to catch me hanging out there. Didn't they have that uh, Woofer and uh, Heather's Bar? I forget what that was down there. Or something like that. There was a lot of them there. You know, even, you know, that notorious... Um, after Hours Gate Club, um, the Mineshaft Club. No, uh, the Mineshaft, that's right. You guys would be wearing those uh, those biker outfits uh, going in there, and all you'd hear is, ah! You'd say, what the hell is going on down there? It was a different time, but it was fun in that area. Well, not far from there was Plato's Retreat, remember? Yeah. And then Plato's moved to uh, the Ansonia. You know, on the Upper West Side, or was it the other way around? I no, no, that. you're right, the Ansonia Hotel. Uh, but, oh, boy, that that area, you talk about decadence and debauchery, it had it all. There was a better one called the Hellfire Club on 9th and 14th, where they had women bank presidents, you know, whipping male customers. Oh, oh, so it was the dominatrixes. Yeah, the, the Hellfire Club, it was called. <laughs> Wow, man, you're a real cognoscente about these clubs. Yeah, well, I I was. Yeah. Well, well, you're on the on the shelf now. No more clubbing. No, I'm going to move to Florida. Wait a second! Everybody's moving to Florida. There'll be nobody left. There isn't now. They're either dead or in Fort Lauderdale. That's true. So, uh, where are you going to end up moving in Florida? Either Aventura or Fort Lauderdale. Hmm. All right, and there's still enough space because you know of late. You can't find a house to buy. You can't find an apartment to rent or a condo to buy. I mean, there's more of a demand than there is a supply. In Aventura, all the well, the Russians, like in Sunny Isles Beach, they can't get their money. So they're trying to dump their apartments. <laughs> so. That's true. I mean, the DeSantis land, it's like people are flooding down there, not just from it's New great. York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Connecticut, but from all over. Uh, there's going to have to be a new hotspot. You know, the number two place that people go other than Florida, well, from this area is North Carolina. Nah. Yeah. Too many trees. Yeah, I would say uh, also, you know, Raleigh and then uh, Charlotte and all that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just nothing to entice you there. I was always real de Janeiro if you need, you know, some champagne oh, and fireworks. I, I have Guardian Angels in Rio. They finally uh, had the uh, uh, the event of all events uh, take place at Mardi Gras. Uh, yeah, the carnival. It is incredible. Those folks will work all year long, coming up, well, coming up with their costumes and their performances, 
And it's like what they live for down in Rio is Carnival. Yeah. Uh, each different area has its own little samba band, too, that parades around the streets. In Ipanema, there's the, you know, I marched with the Ipanema band, but uh, there was a Carmen Miranda band and, you know, the Copacabana band. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And then up in the favelas, that's where all the problems are. It's the, I, ironic if you go to Caracas uh, in Venezuela, if you go to Rio, uh, the wealthy live in the valley and the poor live up uh, in the favelas, in the colonias. Whereas if you notice in other parts, like if you go to uh, Port-au-Prince in Haiti, the wealthy live in the high ground, the poor live in the valleys. And I always wondered why that was. That's almost in reverse. Yeah, but it's almost in reverse of everywhere else where generally it's the uh, rich who want to live high, higher than everyone else so that they have more of a view, and then the poor will live down in the valleys. Hey, that's the way it is there. They give tours of the favelas. You know, you can, I don't know why you'd want to do it, but. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've been into the kind of favelas, uh, you need a bulletproof uh, body condom. Anyway, Jerry seems uh, to know the layout, especially in Chelsea, of all the different kind of clubs. Do I have a little uh, music uh, to sort of take me uh, into that whole atmosphere? Oh, yeah. The, here it is. Here it is. Never was really much into the Chelsea clubs. But Bay Ridge, yes. Because remember, whenever I'd come into Manhattan, since I was a BQE guy, they'd spot me out and say, hey, you, you can't come into this club. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. We don't want any BQE guys. Sorry. Go back to Bay Ridge. And they had some of the best clubs the best entertainment and you just break it on off to the wee hours of dawn hey Eric Eric I know you're up there in Club Zero Bond I got my spies out there they saw you go up there about an hour and a half ago you probably won't get down until about four in the morning because whatever happens at the Zero Bond Club Stays at the Zero Bond Club. Listen, you know and I know that it's all about the swagger. <laughs> what is wrong with that guy? Doesn't he know that crime is the number one problem in the city? And yet to him, it's all about the nightlife and restaurants. And uh, What a throwback. I know many of you probably went to those clubs in Bay Ridge. When uh, you had high levels of testosterone and estrogen crashing through your cranium. But I can at least restore the memories because that was a really great time to be around. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. There's Jay-Z, the degenerate rapper, whose claim to fame in the Marcy Avenue projects was he shot his brother. And then his uh, record went platinum. And yet, this is who Eric Adams, the mayor of nightlife, wants to hang out with. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Madonna. 
Uh, Jamie Foxx uh, with that stupid, uh, what is that, sheriff or that bullwinkle hat on. And, of course, he wants to hang with anyone who's a trendoid, freakazoid, uh, and jet setter. Enough. Enough of Jay-Z. Enough of Jay-Z. 1-800-848-9222. But what I want to do is uh, I want to go to Frank Morano, who earlier today uh, had an illegal uh, party at his home uh, for the running of the 148th uh, Churchill Downs uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, they were serving mint juleps. Uh, people were strewn all over the lawn. And he was taking illegal wages there, you know, as if he was the OTB. So we'll see what he has to say when he shows back uh, up on uh, Monday morning after Dominic Carter. Because uh, he was, like, totally polluted. It wasn't a martini day. It was a mint julep day. You know, anything he could get to drink for free, he he's down for the count. But the other day, I was listening. And, you know, we all go through this. Look, I, I've put... Uh, Juan from Boston asleep while he was uh, waiting. Eileen just the other night from Queens the other morning. Uh, she was like cutting Z's. But I don't think uh, in my 32 years of talk radio, most of it at WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting. Curtis, uh, I did a stand at AM 970, The Answer. That's four years of my life. I'll never get back. Seven months at WNYC. I did that for Rudy. Uh, boy, that was... Uh, That was a big mistake. But I will tell you this. Frank Morano, the other other morning, put his board operator, Felipe, or whatever the hell his name uh, is, put him to sleep. He's the farthest from genuine in the world, so. Fair enough, Tuna. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. So far, I'm alone on this one. What about you, Philippe? If you were if you were met a mayor that you didn't like their politics and they wanted to take a photo with you, would you would you want to take a photo with them or would you run away? Philippe? Yeah, I guess you're not listening. All right. You guess you weren't listening to anything I just said. I didn't mean to throw you here, Philippe. Not exactly a, a trick question. Never mind. Never mind. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. It's okay. Ned is in Stamford. Hello, Ned. Hell asleep, Philippe. I got to acknowledge that was a pretty boring segment. Frank uh, could do much better than that. Much better than that. Uh, I believe Avery uh, Avery was the phone screener at the time. You probably were putting toothpicks uh, in your eyelids uh, to stay awake. That was not scintillating talk radio the way I know that Frank Morano can do it. God. Uh, but Felipe was on the boards because Matt, his primary go-to guy, was uh, down in Florida. And let me tell you something. Uh, the guy was so hopelessly uh, out of touch that when he came back, He had to respond to uh, what he had done prior to uh, leaving the Florida, which is borrowing my belt and going to the bathroom here at WABC. What in good God's name was Matt doing with my belt? I asked a simple question. He took my belt. He went off into the bathroom. And then we didn't see Matt for a while. He looked stung God by the time he got out. But instead of Frank 
adhering to what I was saying based on my 32 years of experience. I mean, you know, Frank is the JV. I'm the varsity here. Frank decided to defend his board operator, Matt Blaze. For starters, everything Curtis just said there was completely false. Every single word was completely false. Matt Blaze did not ask Curtis to borrow his belt. And second, when Curtis says we that he's never been asked to borrow, that no one's ever asked him for his belt, we actually did have a guy that worked here. I'm not going to give his name. But he did ask Curtis to borrow his belt, and he was he was a heroin addict. But that was not this was this is going back eighteen years. This was that was not Matt Blaze. Now you see, this is what he's saying while Matt Blaze was away in Florida defending Matt Blaze. They didn't get their story straight. Listen to Matt Blaze upon his return from Florida. Uh, as he took over for Philippe, who was falling asleep on Frank Morano. He said, I was in Florida for a celebration of death. Yeah, that was really weird. It was a celebration of life. Ah. Nobody celebrates somebody's death. Wow, what a moron. What a schmuck. What a putz, Matt. Matt has no idea that there is a celebration of death. He has no idea. It shows you how insular, how parochial he is. Can I hear that one more time, please? He said, I was in Florida for a celebration of death. Yeah, that was really weird. It was a celebration of life. Ah. Nobody celebrates somebody's death. (laughs) Matt, Matt Blaze, you are so limited in terms of your knowledge about things that go on in the world, you know, in Matt's mind, the only culture that counts is the culture of New Jersey, the Garden State. He has no idea that in Mexico they actually have a day where they celebrate death. And it's spread to other parts of Latin America. You know, his his only knowledge of Mexico is, oh, oh, cerveza, uh, uh, cerveza, cerveza, cerveza de Mayo, cerveza de Mayo. That's all Matt Blaze knows, beer on Cinco de Mayo which is really an American knockoff of a non-Mexican holiday. Somebody needs to inform him that Mexico has an entire day that they put aside in which they celebrate death, muerte. And then uh, he says that I can't keep my story straight. You know, Curtis can't keep his story straight. That's true. Because first he said... If you look at me, I haven't had a meal in a month of Sundays. Then when Pete called and Pete said, well, Curtis, you're kind of trim and Matt's a little heavier. Then he says, yes, Matt is a chubsy wubsy. So have I had a month? I haven't had a meal in a month of Sundays. It's quite the opposite. It's like I haven't missed a meal in a month of Sundays. Wow, you notice how belligerent he is, how nasty, how snarly he is. How vitriolic he is, Matt Blaze. And then he says what he did do with the belt. And what did you end up doing with Curtis's belt? Curtis's belt has been repurposed. It is now a chew toy for my dogs. (laughs) And they love it because it reeks of cat. So now think of this. First, he didn't take my belt, right? Now he admits taking my belt and using it as a chew toy for his dogs because it smells of cat. 
And notice how Frank Morano is humoring him. And what did you end up doing with Curtis's belt? Curtis's belt has been repurposed. It is now a chew toy for my dogs. <laughs> and they love it because it reeks of cat. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, I will say this, though, for Frank Morano, uh, who um, uh, hosts The Other Side of Midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. I need all of you to listen intently, take notes, meticulous notes. I need to for you to rat Frank out to eat the Parmesan cheese. But I will say that uh, having Felipe as his board operator... Uh, Manhattan, uh, Bill Lee, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, that wasn't working out, having Philippe. Uh, Philippe fell asleep on him a number of times as he was the board operator. I know Avery, <laughs> you were the, uh, what does he call it, the talent phone coordinator or some fake, phony, fraudulent position that he's created. Uh, can I hear Frank having to talk to Philippe? He doesn't even realize his board operator has fallen asleep on him. He's the farthest from genuine in the world, so. Fair enough, Tuna. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. So far, I'm alone on this one. What about you, Philippe? If you were, if you were met a mayor that you didn't like their politics and they wanted to take a photo with you, would you, would you want to take a photo with them or would you run away? Philippe? Yeah, I guess you're not listening. All right. You guess you weren't listening to anything I just said. I didn't mean to throw you here, Philippe. Not exactly a, a trick question. Never mind. Never mind. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. That's okay. Ned is in Stamford. Hello, Ned. Can you believe this? His head was down. Frank didn't even realize that he was like totally stung God, totally knocked out. Hey, look, it happens uh, to the best. But uh, he wasn't uh, cognizant of it. You see, this is the problem. Frank talks. He likes to hear his own voice. He didn't even realize that the board operator was not functioning. He was sleeping. And it's because Frank put the board operator to sleep. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jeff in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jeff. Curtis, how are you? Good morning. Uh, now, hold on a second. We got to straighten you out, smack you around. Some of you take full advantage when I'm on a roll. And you decide, oh, I'm going to ask him, how's he doing? Well, let me tell you, this Robert Rules of Orders. If you're going to be a caller, and I encourage it, because this is the uh, program in which we take massive numbers of callers. The better a call that it is, the longer I let you talk. But you cannot ask me, how, how am I doing? Like it's a tick or a knee-jerk reaction, because my response is going to be, I've had better days. Kabish, Jeff? Kabish? Kabish? Kabish. Okay. All right, all right. Okay, Curtis, here we go. First of all, the the, the, uh, the worst OTB was at 74th Street, Roosevelt Avenue in Queens. That was a dangerous OTB. Mm. Um, second of all, you answered the question, you asked the question wrong about the first, you didn't say the first OTB restaurant. You said the first, uh, you said the, uh, what OTB had a restaurant. Um, I can name like seven OTBs that had restaurants in them. There were three alone in Queens. Wow, um, you you were really hitting the OTB circuit there, Jeff. Oh, there was in Queens alone. It was the Winter Circle, Austin's Ale House, and O'Neill's. And which uh, and which Ridge, which was, did which did you prefer, Jeff? Uh, I like I like O'Neill's. O'Neill's was good, um, but Hunter's Ale House in Bay Ridge that was also a good one. 
Now um, the uh, the food get- the food and the beverage was that being provided by separate vendors that were subcontracted yes, by OTB? Yep, the restaurant. The, actually, OTB rented out the space in the restaurant. So. Ah, I see. How how did they now, lose money, Jeff? I, I don't understand. Um, Why did they have to go Chapter because, Nine bankruptcy? I know the answer to this because the tracks were charging OTB a very large amount of money to show the races live. In the seventies, they only did the voices. On you know, you heard the race through the race announcer. But in the eighties and nineties, OTB decided they wanted to show the races live on TV. But the horse tracks charged OTB so much money that they lost money on it. How did the OTBs though survive in Nassau and Suffolk County and other parts of the the state of New York? That, that's a very good question, which I don't know. Now, I have an Eric Adams story for you, and I want your public also to know that, because I'm an ex-police officer, um, Curtis, it's stop, question, and frisk. I don't know why everybody has to say stop and frisk. They always leave out, especially the press, they leave out question. So getting back to that, it's stop, question, and then frisk. Mm. But, yet the, but yet the press always says stop and frisk. Now... As far as Eric Adams, when he was a transit police officer, he worked on J Street in transit headquarters and never did a day on patrol. He ran 100 blacks in law enforcement from J Street. He got lucky on three Saturdays and made it up to the rank of captain. But as a sergeant and a lieutenant, he never left the station house ever, 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 ever. Uh, I worked for the man for a month, and I'm not going to lie, as a boss, he wasn't that bad. Um, he really wasn't. He wasn't a ball breaker. Excuse the language, but uh, he ran. He pretty much, as a police officer, he he ran. He ran a uh, hundred blocks in law enforcement from J Street, uh, right downstairs from the Brooklyn courthouse. That that's a known fact. So he known wasn't. He wasn't really an active cop out there busting his shoes, well, making arrests. Well, Curtis, if somebody can get his tax number, you could run his badge, and the badge tells you how many arrests he has. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has less than fifty arrests. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, I've, I've, really I've heard. Point. I've heard, Jeff, and I stand to be uh, corrected. Uh, some have said as little as four. <laughs> now, now yeah, again, you know, I'm, I'm not in the department. I don't have access to a lot of the information that uh, currently people might have. But I've been told that in his career would span 22 years. And as you had mentioned, a lot of time he was in the white shirt, so uh, he no longer was really actively patrolling. Uh, it may have been right as uh, few as four actual collars that he himself was responsible for. That's a disgrace. You know what I mean? That really is a disgrace. And, uh, Curtis, one last thing I heard about you, and I don't know if you want to mention it or not, I heard that you almost went blow, uh, blow to blow with uh, Bo Dito at a function. Any truth to that rumor? No, it wasn't uh, blow to blow. Um, uh, I was at the uh, gathering, uh, which was a celebration for WABC, and he had uh, thought that I had said something that I had not said. We have since uh, talked and made amends uh uh, his hearing is shot, and my hearing is shot. You see, that's the problem, Jeff. He can't hear, and I can't hear. So it's like two old guys go, huh, what, huh, huh. Uh, but no, we uh, we have since had a conversation about it. 
right? I didn't think I heard what you. I heard what you, what you supposedly said, but I said, "Nah, Curtis wouldn't say that." No, 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 that, that, that didn't happen. But we have, uh, we have made amends. So I will follow up on your suggestion, uh, though, Jeff. Um, and that inspires me uh, to once again, Broadway Bill Lee, to uh, promote what is the new theme song for Mayor Eric Adams, mayor of nightlife in the city of New York. Eric, I know you're up at Club Zero Bond. I've got folks out there telling you. Hey, hey, hey. about the swagger? <laughs> what you got to say? Yes, Hollywood, Eric Adams. And uh, I'm going to find out exactly uh, how many actual collars Eric Adams made as a police officer for the city of New York. I think 10 of it was as a transit police officer, 12 as a member of the NYPD, uh, much of it in white shirt, in a supervisory role, not really an act. Uh, I was told four. Jeff said it could be about 50, but I hope to find out exactly what Hollywood Eric Adams, mayor of nightlife in New York City, uh, actually achieved as a member of the NYPD. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Lamar, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Lamar. Uh, good morning. Before I get to my statement or question in this case, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say something I'm sure you've heard more times than you can shake a stick at, Curtis, and that is that the people in your city uh, must surely be feeling in mass buyer's remorse, or in your case, voters' remorse, uh, lamenting the fact that you're not the mayor of that city as they watch their city unravel before their eyes. I'm going to get to my question now. A couple of weeks ago, we were listening to radio, and one of this uh, person, uh, Marano's radio fans, one of his incarcerated radio fans called up. I forget which facility he said he was in, but he did mention he was on lockdown. And they exchanged pleasantries. Uh, nothing really worthy of committing to memory. I don't know exactly what they said. It wasn't important, really, but... During a brief exchange, interchange, uh, the point of gender came up, and I would please, if if you can, next time you see this Murano, inform him that we cannot abandon the scientific disciplines, basic biology, simply because it threatens the subjective view of what some people think they are. he actually told this person, well, you can be whatever gender you want, and as far as that goes, you can be whatever gender I think you are. Uh, if this Murano actually subscribes to this transgenderism narrative that is a pillar of the current tyranny in Washington, D.C., can you please inform the suits at ABC, WABC, that his golden boy status should be revoked ASAP? Uh, that was very disappointing that he would say something like that. And, and to
it was revelatory. Uh, we, we had no idea he was a, a proponent of this kind of transgenderism, which is rejected in Florida and most other places in this country where people are still sane. I must, uh, I must tell you, Lamar, let me update you on what's happening here in New York City. Uh, you will be going into a men's lavatory, a public bathroom for men, and they are going to be putting into it a tampon dispenser. Why would they need to have a tampon dispenser in a men's room? Well... Uh, Curtis, uh, that is a $64,000 question, but all I can say at the risk of repeating myself, and I'm going to do it because the truth bears repeating, we were so disappointed to discover if this is his great wisdom, his great truth, please inform the suits of WABC to revoke his uh, uh, privileged status, his golden boy status uh, ASAP. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you, Lamar. Those are things that had to be said. Frank was probably talking with uh, any number of uh, nefarious types that he has befriended in the correctional facilities of either the state of New York or the federal system around the country. It's a shame that he had that kind of conversation. I wasn't privy to it, but I do know that... uh, uh, Lamar is a regular listener and uh, strikes me as somebody who is extraordinarily meticulous in what he remembers and what he then regurgitates. Uh, Let's go to Mike. Uh, Mike, where are you calling from? St. James, Suffolk County, Long Island. Wow. I didn't even know there was a St. James out there. See, live and learn. It's right next to Smithtown. Okay. We got it. Okay. Two quick ones, Curtis. Uh, first, the mayor claims arrests are up. What about convictions and incarcerations? Has anyone asked him that? Well, he'll tell you he's not responsible for that, and to a great degree he is not. Arrests are up, uh, but that's because crime is up. So uh, uh, at points there's so much crime being committed that even if you uh, were a police officer that was not very active and engaging and making arrests, uh, they're almost falling into your lap. There's so much crime going on. You can't, you can't hope not to make arrests. And I notice on the radio newscast, when they're talking about a particular heinous crime, they'll call it an arrest, but they never give the disposition such as, uh, did the guy show up in court again or... Yeah, no, 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 that, that's the problem. And in fact, uh, we didn't hear anything about Frank James. You remember Frank James, the subway shooter? Of course. Well, we finally heard about him, uh, that he was uh, formally uh, indicted on federal charges uh, today. Uh, you would have thought that that guy dropped off the face of the earth. Frank James, who came in from Philadelphia... With his 9mm, fired close to 30-odd shots. Luckily, his weapon jammed up on that end train at 36th Street and then took a tour of the city for 30 hours. And, and the cops were incapable of grabbing him until he said, Here I am at Mickey D's in the Lower East Side. Sorry, I can't wait around any longer. 
And then it was the citizens who ended up IDing him. And now we finally hear about what is being done with him. How many weeks later? How did he suddenly fall off the radar screen? Will you ever learn? Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I am apt to throw trivia out fast and furiously through the full six hours of this show and the previous show when I go from midnight to six in the morning, Saturday mornings, and now this Sunday morning with the rain falling outside. Who is it that is singing this song while playing the banjo? And why is he famous? And others would say infamous. What did he achieve in his life and times? And what do you find to uh, be detrimental in terms of what he did uh, as he went up and down the Hudson River from uh, the Mid-Hudson, the Poughkeepsie area, the Beacon area, down into New York City Harbor? Our number's 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And since this is Mother's Day, we have a dilemma. And the question is, can we blame this on Biden? Can we blame this on Putin? Can we blame this on inflation? Or can we just blame this on greed? There is a shortage, a global shortage of fresh flowers as uh, we are in the midst of Mother's Day. How many of you in just a few hours will be scurrying about going to your flower stands, going to your vegetable stands, your grocery stores, your bodegas, and wherever fresh-cut flowers are sold, and desperately picking up bouquets because it's part of the tradition. You're giving it to your wife, your girlfriend, you're giving it to your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother. But apparently new crops were not planted as usual. Uh, The planting cycle thrown off by the lockdown that had taken place back in March of 2020 as a result of the pandemic. There have been uh, supply chain problems, labor shortages, poor weather. Wow. And putting a lot of excuses together as to why you may not be able to deliver flowers to the ones that you want to impress on this uh, Mother's Day. I want to find out from all of you out there if you're running into this problem or if you've noticed there is a shortage of flowers, especially those of you who have allergies because the allergen levels are up and will continue to be going up as uh, we are in the midst of uh, people frolicking about and flocking to the flowers Because it's the Cherry Blossom Festival season. And boy, that causes a lot of folks to get the sniffles and the sneezes. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Apparently, there are not enough white flowers and specialty roses. Not enough containers, floral tape, and colored candles. And yet, weddings have increased since uh, the lockdown of 2020. And so you normally need what they call event flowers for weddings. A lot of white flowers. And uh, you anticipate that if uh, properly picked and cut and shipped, that those uh, event flowers 
uh, for weddings and other events would probably open up the day of the event. Meantime, uh, the kind of flowers uh, that you would see being sold at grocery stores, bodegas, supermarkets, or at flower stands, uh, they have a longer life. Uh, and the petals uh, normally will be closed. Not all of them will open up, but uh, most will. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. I don't know if you're aware of this. Most flowers uh, globally come from the Netherlands, Colombia, Ecuador, and Kenya. Uh, most of the roses uh, that you would like to distribute on this Mother's Day actually come from Ecuador. So apparently no white flowers, no specialty roses, no containers, no floral tape, uh, limited amounts of colored candles. And they're giving all kinds of excuses why there is a limited amount of flowers for this Mother's Day uh, holiday. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And again, Maestro... uh, Broadway Bill Lee, uh, could I have a little bit of the impresario himself playing his banjo and singing uh, this song of Where Have All the Flowers Gone? Please, please. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Who is this uh, famous or infamous uh, artist? Uh, and this classic song that could apply to the flower shortage that we're going through right now. As a result, limited supply, big demand means that there'll be higher prices. Prices are soaring on domestic and imported flowers. There just are not enough event flowers for weddings and other events. So an average rose stem would normally cost you a dollar and fifty cents. It's now three dollars. White flowers uh, have doubled in price, and they even have now more artificial flowers uh, sort of weaved into the bouquet made of silk. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Maxine in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maxine. Good morning, Curtis. Pete Seeger, where have all the flowers gone? It's so ironic. I mean, hearing that song now and thinking about when he wrote it and what is going on now. I'm glad you played it. I'm glad you played it. Well, I actually knew Pete Seeger. Uh, I met him from time to time. Uh, He was part of the effort to uh, clean up the Hudson River because... They had all the PCBs up there, uh, General Electric up in Schenectady. Uh, the chairman of the board claimed that he would drink the water of uh, the Hudson River right at the uh, uh, area of the plant, the uh, old General Electric plant, the discharge area. And he said, oh, there are no PCBs. And I said, go ahead, drink that glass, and you'll probably glow in the dark at night. But I, w- I will tell you this. uh uh, how did you come uh, to uh, follow the music of Pete Seeger, Maxine? Well, I'm a baby boomer, and I was born in the 50s, and I've always loved uh, folk music and um, um, uh, what is it? Woody Guthrie's wife, Marjorie Mazur, had the ballet studio in Sheepshead Bay where I grew up. Hmm. I also 
as a child, auditioned for the Ted Mack Amateur Hour, singing, if this land is your land, this land is my land. So I'm a folk person, you know? I love that music. Now, did you uh, follow the Weavers? I remember the Weavers as well. Yes, I do. But more so, more so I followed um, people like Woody Guthrie, uh, Pete, Pete Seeger, um, people, people like that. Now, Woody Guthrie, uh, who I believe resided in Coney Island, uh, and uh, Pete Seeger, yeah. who uh, resided uh, up in the uh, Mid-Hudson uh, Valley area, uh, they had strong political leanings that oftentimes identified them as being uh, communists. Uh, how did you handle that situation in liking their music? Well, you know, I, I my father worked for the International Ladies Garment Union, and a lot of those people were really kind of the early socialist Democrats. And we had that music playing in the house. I wasn't as keenly aware of the um, of their uh, stance in politics. I was more listening to the music. But um, decades later, when I learned more about my father's leanings and friends of his, and other kids that I was growing up with whose parents actually attended a lot of those socialist communist meetings. My father did not, not to my um, understanding. But it was a different time, it seems, with the unions, with the way people were thinking. Uh, I think if my father saw what was going on today, and he was a true Democrat, I think he'd be rolling in his grave if he saw what was happening in this country, in this world, and in our in our beautiful New York City. Yeah, no, uh, Maxine, uh, the uh, ILGWU International Lady Garments Workers Union. Uh, I, uh, as a young boy, I went to a few of their gatherings because Michael Madoset. Uh, was a seamstress, uh, and then uh, she was in the uh, a sweatshop, and uh, she was very good at what she did with the Singer sewing machine. But I could see the conditions uh, were uh, primitive. You know, they didn't have uh, proper circulation. The summertime, it was like a real sweatshop. Uh, yes. Uh, the you know, di- my, father, my father was a presser, Curtis. In in the coat houses on Seventh Avenue, he worked his butt off, and I remember going to visit him up there. And really, as a kid, seeing that it was it, it was abominable to think that my father was sweating and working to make a living for us in those kind of conditions. Thanks for bringing that up. Oh yeah, and then uh, then yeah, I would see the uh, not only the pressers but the cutters. Uh, those are the men and women who would actually cut the material to the specifications, and then the seamstresses would come and they would uh, sort of put it all together. It was like a an assembly line, and they didn't take breaks like we would anticipate now. You know, it's not like uh, every hour and a half you had a coffee break or a cigarette break. 
you really had to bust your butt in those sweat houses. That's right. They were real sweatshops, literally sweatshops. And how long did your father work uh, uh, as a representative, uh, as a member of the ILGWU in the business? I believe he did that. Well, unfortunately, he passed away when he was about 52. He died quite young. But I would say probably a good 30 years. He he was very involved in the union. And the uh, union even had a hotel up in um, the Poconos called Unity House where all the international ladies' garment union workers would go in the summertime. We'd go up there, and uh, they'd have people like Red Buttons come and perform. Uh, They'd show a lot of European film festivals. It was a very good place for people to go with their families because these folks worked so damn hard. Oh, no doubt. Did you ever go to any of the May Day celebrations when the unions would gather up near uh, 14th Street Union Square? I believe I did. I remember when Klein's department store was over there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was there. Uh, My father brought me. He was a member of the National Maritime Union, the NMU, which had a headquarters over near 16th Street. And then also uh, opposite St. Vincent's Hospital, if you notice, they had those strange windows in that building. It made it look like an ocean liner. Uh, And uh, uh, my father would, when he was uh, at home uh, from being out at sea, would take me to these uh, uh, union picnics, the union marches, the gatherings, the celebrations. Uh, They were much, much more active back then in the 60s than I see now. Yes, I, I agree. People today are are just not the kind of activists that our fathers were, our parents were. I mean, they really stood up for what they believed in. And I see such, um, a, 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 there's a lack of that in people today. And even, even us, you know, when we would go to all the marches, and for what was going happening on uh, happening in Vietnam, and even as a 15, 16 year old, I was going with friends to those rallies. Very different today. I'm a parent of a millennial. Um, I think you're a par- parent of the uh, Generation Z, but it's so so different the way they see the world as opposed to the way it was. For, for us as baby boomers. Yeah, no, I, I remember clearly my father, when I would uh, be in his company, uh, a union on strike, uh, and uh, he would not cross the lines. And nope, we don't cross the picket lines. Uh, if a union is on strike, they honor our picket lines because he was on strike uh, quite a few times. Uh, Sometimes not because the union wanted to go on strike, but the owners would tie the ships up and, and they were just stuck. Uh, it was basically a reverse strike. The owners just wouldn't let them get back on uh, the ship and earn uh, a living until uh, the union had squared it away with the uh, owners of these ships. But he would always say if he saw a picket line, he'd say, we are not crossing that line. There's no way. Uh, we're not going into that store. 
uh, we're not going to violate uh, those workers there because we have an understanding amongst union members that if we have to go on strike, they won't cross our lines either, which strengthens uh, the workers and their ability to negotiate with the owners and operators of the business. Yes, and my dad was like that too, Curtis. You see, they were cut from the same cloth. And if we had people like that around today, I think we'd have a very different New York City, don't you? No, no doubt. Uh, you take far more interest because uh, by being part of a union that's very active, you're already involved with activities uh, with your fellow workers. You're more involved with what's happening with their families, their situations, their helping one another. It's a more of a communal effort than you see nowadays in any other aspect of life. And do you also remember, too, and I agree with everything you're saying, Another organization was called the Workmen's Circle, which is still around, of course. Oh, yeah. So the uh, the uh, Workmen's Circle, the Catholic Workers League, uh, yes. all of these organizations uh, that would come to the aid of working class peoples. And uh, oftentimes, uh, if you are on strike, you didn't have a strike fund. Your strike fund would last maybe a week or two. My father would say, well... Uh, it looks like we're going to have spaghetti, Ranzoni, Sonoboni, uh, spaghetti every night without the sauce. Uh, yeah. So just get yeah. ready. Uh, it's going to be a tough haul for the next few weeks. And it really got tough. Uh, but I, he never bad-mouthed um, uh, the other union members. Some of them would cross the picket line. Some of them were scabbed. Some of them would uh, uh, really uh, turn against the union. But he said, look, they know not what they do. They know not what they do. If you don't think of us and we, you cannot survive as I and me. And I, I'll i take that uh, to my grave. Us and we instead of I and me. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and how inspiring it is that we had fathers like that. That these were the types of families we grew up in. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately... Uh, uh, as you mentioned, uh, your children, my children, uh, they haven't really sampled any of that. Uh, they don't get a chance to experience it like we did by being with our parents when they were at these rallies, these gatherings, these picnics, especially the union picnics. And they were great because people would bring their entire family and you would get to actually meet some of the men uh, and women that were co-workers, uh, in this case, of my father. Uh, so all of a sudden, we got to meet these people that we had no idea who they were, but we would hear our father talk about them from time to time. And now you got to know their family members. You got to know their sons, their daughters, and you had so much more in common because of that. Yes, there was a camaraderie. There, Like you said, there was a real community that existed, and today there is lack. It's lacking that, and there is more isolation. Yeah, definitely so. So uh, maintain those memories because those were the yeah. golden days uh, when working class yeah. peoples uh, related. I felt much better to one another than they do now. Uh, unf- yes, unf- I, I, I totally agree with you. 
totally agree. God bless you, Curtis. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for the uh, memories, Maxine. And it all started from the Pete Seeger uh, song. Where have all the flowers gone? That's right. Yeah. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Where have all the flowers gone? I remember seeing Pete Seeger. He had the banjo. He had the Lennon cap on. No, not John Lennon of the Beatles, the Vladimir Lennon cap. Uh, but boy, he was always personable, pleasant, pleasing, always a smile on his face. He had a particular political dogma that I didn't agree with, obviously. He was to the far, far left. But he was a true believer, sailing up and down the, the boat that he had, trying to... Uh, Get the Hudson River once again to return to its roots and be clean of the PCBs and the other toxins and pollutants that really scarred that great river. Remember, they flowed up, upstream, didn't flow downstream. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, that the uh, Hudson River flows upstream, not downstream. So it goes in the direction of Albany as opposed to the current taking you downstream. And what a gorgeous view when you take it up past the Mid-Hudson, the bridges there, past West Point. Some of the best uh, visuals that you can imagine. Uh, You almost reminisce and can remember what it must have been like for those first settlers coming up that Hudson River. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Michelle, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michelle. Thanks for playing Where Have All the Flowers Gone by the late, great Pete Seeger. You know, I don't know if you ever got the chance to actually be on the boat, the Clearwater Sloop, but what Pete was able to do with the people that came together out of a love for the river and all the beauty that goes both ways on the river. The training that they used to give to kids and school groups, and they used to go up and down the Hudson River and allow people who were in love with the river who wanted to save it and clean it up to be a part of the Clearwater Group and get on the boat and learn what it was like to be a part of a crew of sailors and learn what it was like to hoist a sail and feed the people and teach them about what I think that we had learned was a river that flowed both ways. They used to call it Mahoya Kuntuk. And that was something that they would teach you that the river actually would go both ways. But you could look into that maybe with the Clearwater people, or maybe somebody will call up on the phone tonight and tell you that. But Pete just had this way about him that, to be honest with you, the politics, you know, mentioning the Lenin cap, and I know that apparently he had a file in the FBI and all this, the politics weren't the issue. The issue was, the beauty that was so important to be saved that you were able to infuse with the beauty of music, which speaks the language that's so universal that you can let politics go for a little while and realize that as a human and the human condition, if we don't have an environment that we can all live in peacefully without all the crazy violence that's going on and just come together and listen and hear and listen to the sounds of nature we're not going to have flowers anymore, let alone a flower shortage due to some kind of supply chain um, decision. And I think that 
it was just so wonderful to hear you bring that up on Mother's Day morning, you know, and just remember that for a few minutes. We wish, I do anyway, that you had been able to become mayor, but I feel like you are still the mayor. You're the mayor of the people as a guardian angel, and your shows really inspire us, and um, I just wanted to say thank you. No, 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 it's uh, the least I could do, uh, uh, persons that uh, I had contact with and growing up, uh, you know, have been vilified, demonized. Luckily, I had an opportunity to meet some of them, not all of them, uh, and sort of see for myself, like in the case of uh, Pete Seeger, and recognize that, wait a second, why, why are we demonizing this guy? He's, he's just trying to do something that should have been done a long time ago, which is uh, to clean up the Hudson River, a magnificent, magnificent place uh, to be able to go up and down and just experience uh, Mother Nature, experience the beauties that most people have never been exposed to. And it's like I said, it's politics is different. So what? That's what makes for a very diverse country. Uh, he wasn't advocating the overthrow of America. He just wanted to change it internally. I met a lot of other people along the way. And I, I laugh because... Oftentimes, uh, individuals have a knee-jerk reaction and they just want to stereotype everybody. Look, I've been stereotyped. I've been called uh, a caricature. Uh, I've been uh, slotted uh, and not really listened to based on my uh, 68 years of experiences, which uh, uh, has sort of pushed me in a lot of different directions. So especially on a day like today, Mother's Day, uh, everybody should pause and think, who are these people that have existed uh, in uh, this great country of ours, America, uh, who have had these really diverse points of view that we have demonized, we have vilified, and in reality, they're trying to do great things and have done great things, and we don't recognize them for their achievements. We recognize them for the slot that we've put them in in which we've tried to uh, create that uh, image that they were against us, when in reality, again, it's as I go back to, as my father taught me, it's us and we, not I and uh, me. That's how we survive as a society. So happy Mother's Day, uh, Michelle. And I'd love to say happy Mother's Day to my mom, Marianne, my great-grandmothers that were out there who are in the beyond right now, and the mother of my dear friend's, all over the place. We, you know, it was funny because we were talking to some of the women the other day and they were just saying how you never stop being a mother. And sometimes even men can be mothers. It's not about whether or not you're, you know, it's an official tag, but even as a father, you never stop fathering. So happy Mother's Day to everybody. And Curtis, thank you for coming back to the radio. We missed you while you were busy doing what you needed to do. We know you're always doing it. And we're so grateful that you're still so active with the guardian angels because you just provide something that is so incredibly special and so incredibly needed. And so we're just praying for the continued protection and safety and peace of all the New Yorkers and everybody around us. Thank you, Curtis, for everything. You bring a lot of joy to a lot of people and a lot of laughter. And uh, at least maybe, you know, you can try and keep the board awake. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever's working your board tonight, you know, that's right. We have, uh, We have Broadway uh, Bill Lee here, although on that night, uh, on uh, that note, 
Michelle did bring up uh, Frank Morano, who uh, hosts The Other Side of Midnight, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. He had quite the problem the other day in putting to sleep his board operator, Felipe. At that time, Avery uh, was on loan to the Frank Morano show, uh, our phone screener, or as a as he calls him, a talent coordinator of something. I never heard the term like that before. But listen to how frustrated Frank was as he not only put uh, some of you to sleep, but he put his own board operator, Felipe, to sleep. He's the farthest from genuine in the world, so. Fair enough, Tuna. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. So far, I'm alone on this one. What about you, Philippe? If you were if you were met a mayor that you didn't like their politics and they wanted to take a photo with you, would you would you want to take a photo with them or would you run away? Philippe? Yeah, I guess you're not listening. All right. You guess you weren't listening to anything I just said. I didn't mean to throw you here, Philippe. Not exactly a, a trick question. Never mind. Never mind. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. It's okay. Ned is in Stamford. Hello, Ned. But in true uh, fashion, uh, Frank didn't let him, uh, Felipe, sleeping throw him. He just uh, moved on to Ned in Stamford. But you know, it's a moment that Frank will never forget. It's bad uh, enough. Oh, boy, it's cold out. How cold is it? Well, I mean, it's cold out. It's so cold that, um, you know, politicians are sticking their hands into their own pockets. I mean, it's cold. God. I had to listen to a whole hour of that last week. We're going to revive some of that, resurrect some of that, because it was some of the worst comedic attempts that I've ever heard. I would uh, wish that we could get a um, a tribunal. You know, maybe uh, Pat Cooper, who's like in his 90s living in Vegas. Shecky Green is in his 90s living in Vegas, although he's originally from uh, Chi-Town. Uh, Pat Cooper from New York. Too bad Jackie Mason's not around. That would be the perfect trinity to be able to listen to the corny jokes made by Frank Morano and his callers. 1-800-848-9222. Classic. Alan Sherman. I'll never forget. My mother decided, hey, we'll send you to CYO camp uh, right out of kindergarten. CYO camp. Upstate Bear Mountain. And I remember, I had to get out of here. Man. Remember, there were no cell phones. You couldn't sell, send smoke signals. Uh, relatives or friends, uh, your parents could only visit you like once a week. But I remember after one week up there in Bear Mountain at a CYO camp, Catholic Youth Organization camp, I told my mother, Francesca, get me the hell out of here. Get me in that 54 Ford, that station wagon that you came up here to see me and my older sister, Alita. She loved it. She wanted to stay. I said, I, I got to get out of here. It's crazy. What am I doing up here for? Bear Mountain. I didn't see any bears. All I saw were a lot of raccoons. I went swimming. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, some of the young ones, they had decided uh, they couldn't uh, hold their, uh, uh, let's say, their excretions. 
until they got to the bathroom. And then it was in the freaking lake. Like, get me out of here. I felt like I was swimming in a turlet bowl. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Steve, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Uh, well, Curtis, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say uh, what's going to provoke you to say you've had better days. But um, some of your facts, since I've been listening to you for many years and recently, are not on the money. Uh, the Hudson River doesn't flow um, south to north. It flows north to south now to the ocean. If you see the water going up by the Tappan Zee Bridge or something like that, that's just a result of the uh, tides, incoming or outgoing tide. As well as the East River is not a river, it's a tidal estuary. So the Hudson River is actually a river, and it was formed a gazillion years ago from the only glacier that was in North America. Now, isn't this interesting, down, uh, Stephen? Uh, I said it flows uh, up. Uh, the other right. woman who called, I think her name was Michelle, says it flows both ways. And now you say it flows out towards the ocean. Well, I just, I just, it, that is correct. I just looked it up on uh, Google Data also to confirm my facts. Now, um, now, now, have you ever swam in the Hudson River? Well, I, I grew up in Bensonhurst, and I'm not Italian. And um, I left Bensonhurst when I was 18, and I spent 10 and a half years in the Navy. So I, I've probably not traveled at the same routes as, you, as your dad in the Merchant Marine. I was a combat sailor, and I was also a frogman at the end of the Vietnam War. But um, we used to take a, a submarine up to the North Pole like you get on the end train in Bensonhurst. But we fished We fished where the Verrazano Bridge is yes. and whatnot. And um, I did double-check and look it up. All right. Uh, I was pretty pretty sure I, 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 I had that. I accept it because I'm uh, uh, basing that on the uh, old days of swimming in the Hudson River near the piers with my cousins uh, boy, that would build up your immunity system. You wouldn't have to wor- worry about coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, because back then that river was not clean. Or as you uh, you, de- you describe it as in the area that I was swimming, it's not a river. What did you describe it as? No, no, the, H- the Hudson River is a river. But if you were talking about the East River, the East River goes uh, back and forth with the tide. Hmm. The Hudson River is actually fresh water as you go farther and farther up to the Tappan Zee and farther and farther up. I think it, when I just looked it up before I got on with you, it goes about 315 miles. So you said uh, but, um, you say it's fresh that, water, right? That That is correct. The East River is not fresh water. Well, when so I was it, swimming there with my cousins, they had some Lincoln logs floating by. Now, now, Curtis, with, with going to what you said when we fished where the bridges and when you talk about uh, Gravesend and whatnot, that actual bay there, if you look on a nautical chart or anything, that I, I've never heard you mention this neighborhood, but, but you have an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of the neighborhood that, that is absolutely uh, baffling. You're absolutely uh, a scholar on it, if there could be a Ph.D. And there is a neighborhood of Gravesend, right? It's by yes. Nick Road. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. But the actual bay over there is called Gravesend Bay. And I've never heard you mention Seagate. But I'm sure you know it, correct? Oh, yeah, Seagate. So uh, that whole area there and everything, and like you said, was, was completely polluted. Um, I'm 68 years old. I fished out of Sheepshead Bay, and then we had our own boat and then went offshore 100 miles out, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you're, you're absolutely correct. Logs, all kinds of stuff like that. 
Yeah, well, the, the interesting thing, uh, Steve, is to be in Plum Beach, which was further east. Uh, well, from, Plum Beach was right out of out of Sheepshead Bay. Right. The end of, you, you want to call it the beginning or the end or whatever. Over and there, uh, the Bell Parkway. Uh, in the 60s, I remember they had horseshoe crabs that came ashore. Uh, and I thought they were uh, helmets, uh, German helmets from World War II that had somehow uh, drifted ashore. And then I saw uh, the back uh, of what looked like the helmet was the little stinger or whatever you would want to call it. And there were horseshoe crabs everywhere, everywhere. That's, that's correct. Horseshoe crabs are, uh, are are very common and part of the environment. But you described how polluted also Plum Bay was, correct? Yes, Okay, as many, many years ago, I don't know if you, you've, you've noticed this because you, you, could, you could pass a test and be a Ph.D. if they wanted to send you to Harvard or something on this. There, there were um, two things going on. Some of them you see they've gotten new in New York City, but they used to be not what your dad worked on, but they were merchant marines. They were like, um, like, the, like the ferry that goes to Hart Island that's runs by correction and the Department of Transportation, and naturally the ferry on, on Staten Island. I don't know if you remember a little white and green ferry used to go from Sheepshead Bay to Breezy Point. Were you ever on that guy? No, but I heard old timers describe okay. that. Yeah, so so I'm 68. I'm, I'm so old I was in the end of the Vietnam War. Mm. All right, so so that little ferry. But if you went on that little ferry from Sheepshead Bay over to Breezy Point, that was, a, a, you know, a way for those people to get transported. So you call it the Irish Riviera. Yep. Closed gated community. I've never heard you mention what Al Sharpton says about it. Do you remember that? Cool. <laughs> uh, he says it's like apartheid. Yep. And what, uh, apartheid. Uh, in fact, he was complaining that Charlie Hines, the uh, Brooklyn DA, was living out there. Uh, yeah, he had something to say about every neighborhood. Yet, if the notice said, when he had children himself, uh, he had two daughters. He sent them to Poly Prep in the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge, a private not, high school. Not cheap, right? Not cheap at all. It's not a religious right. school. It's a, a private right. secular school. And right. where he came up with the money for that, I have no idea. Well, we, we, we know as far as you pointed out, and, and, and very fairly also. Um, with the judgments against him and some of the things with the IRS issues, so nothing is in his name, correct? No, but I will tell you this. That leads me into uh, uh, one of his uh, confidants, uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, who, when he was mayor for eight years, the part-time mayor of the Dope from Park Slope, owes hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, because he had used uh, police security when he went on that failed uh, attempt to become president for four months. He was Don Quixote swinging at the corn stalks in uh, Iowa. He owes over $300,000, and then as a deadbeat, he owes other monies uh, for defense um, uh, that he had to pay for. Uh, when he almost went to jail, Preet Bahara should have sent him to jail, but didn't pull the trigger as he did with Mangano, that crook, uh, out in Nassau County. Well, it turns out that Bill de Blasio owns, owes all this money, uh, has round-the-clock security from the NYPD for him and Charlene. He's staying at the uh, hotel underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, the Marriott. Who's paying for that? And worse yet, I advocated in today's post that he shouldn't be a deadbeat, a slacker. He should pay what he owes. He's got two buildings that he owns on 7th Avenue and 11th Street in Park Slope. They should repo one of the buildings. 
A building there is worth well over a million dollars. Repo the building. Send the marshals in. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in Fort Lee. Uh, the home, the second home, the third home of Mayor Eric Adams. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, David. Good morning, Curtis. I swam across the river about six years ago. I, w- I left work. I had a couple of shots of whiskey, packed my ba- my uh, garbage bag full of uh, my belongings, and dove into 79th Street, and I let the, cu- the current bring me up to Fort Lee. Hold on a second. You mean you didn't get taken in by the undertow? You just rolled with the current? Yes, of course. You can only swim during a, a small current or a slack tide. You, you know. So it took about... 48 minutes. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, how, half, how half in the bag were you when you jumped in? Well, I went up town and had about seven shots of whiskey, so I was I was pretty toasted, but it was nice. It was a very hot summer night. What was the water like? Uh, how clean was the water? Well, it was uh, as clean as it's going to be, I guess, but it uh, didn't matter to me because I had planned this for many years, and I finally did it. So it was a uh, very interesting. The only thing I bought, I bought a knife. I strapped it to my leg. I was afraid of uh, the bull sharks. The bull sharks in the Hudson? Yeah, they're in every river. Now, are you sure after seven, eight shots, you weren't seeing the big, great white ones? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. But uh, there are sharks, and I've, I've fished there. I've caught in a couple. Not bull sharks, but regular uh, sand sharks. Now, uh, do you live in Fort Lee, David? Yes, I do. Now, how far do you live from your neighbor, Mayor Eric Adams, in apartment 22H in Fort Lee? Yes, I live about uh, 10 or 15 blocks from him. I live up in the, in the north end of Fort Lee. You know, uh, yeah. when I in the middle of the campaign, you know, he was dodging that, that he was living there. He said, no, I'm not living there. So I marched over the George Washington Bridge. I went to the building. Uh, they wouldn't let me up to apartment 22H. So I figured nobody's there talking. They were all basically covering up the fact that he lived there. Uh, so I walked over to the bagel shop, uh, had the schmear, and all the Yentas were there. And, boy, they gave it up in a heartbeat. They gave up all the information. I couldn't I couldn't get them to stop talking, David. Oh, yeah, yeah. 22H, huh? I'll go knock on the door. Yeah, 22H. Wake him up. What? Oh, he's not. He said Zero Bond Club. Hold on. Get his theme song here, Broadway Bill Lee. Uh, he's not back at uh, apartment 22H yet. He's still at the Zero Bond Club. I have it on oh. good authority. There are people who are eyeballing him uh, as we speak. He has not left the Zero Bond Club. And naturally, we have his uh, theme song, David, which is uh, Hollywood Swinging. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, what he does now. He swings. He's a Hollywood swinging guy. Anyway, you know it, baby. You anyway know it. do appreciate your call, David. Let's go to Bobby in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Curtis, how are you? I listened to you for years, pal. Listen, I'm a retired fire captain in Jersey City. I worked in uh, the Ocean Avenue, Greenville area for, for 20 years, but I was banged up, so then we got a new fire. We got a new fireboat through the Homeland Security Funds, and it, we, I was out in that river so many times, Curtis. When I was a kid, Newark Bay, it's a peninsula, Jersey City, Bayonne. Newark Bay was a sewer. The, the Passaic Valley Sewage Authority was pouring raw sewage in the bay. Zinc content, 
it was it was beyond foul. And there was a marina there by Roosevelt Stadium. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, anyway, the Hudson River. <clears throat> when I worked on that fireboat, Curtis, we had we had a, you know depth finders and, and fish finders on there. And by Global Marine Terminal, Curtis is a real deep channel. But where the cruise ships come out in Bayonne, and I'm telling you, Curtis. We had the we had the fish finder on. There's huge stripers there, but there's also big sharks there, Curtis. I seen them on the machine. I couldn't believe one was about ten feet long one day, Curtis. So out plus, out, plus out near where the ocean line has come into Bayonne, the old uh, Standard yeah. Oil port. Up in New York, yep, up up in New York Bay. But Curtis, there also was a humpback whales in the river by the Holland Tunnel. There's so much herring. There's so much bait in that river now, and it's it's cleaned up immensely, you know? The, you know, the Clean Water Act in the 70s, it really came back. It's just the sediment with all the PCBs and heavy metals, you know, that's why the West Side Highway, they didn't want to disturb all that and kick it all back up. But that water is, is getting real clean, Curtis. It's amazing. Since I've been a kid, I'm 57 years old. Unbelievable, man. Now, uh, yeah. did you fall into the Hudson or swim in the Hudson since? Many times, Curtis, when I was a kid, Operation Sailor, Bicentennial, 1976, Global, before they built the Marine Terminal, it was giant sand dunes. They pumped sand out of the river, and it was cold as hell. It was like the shore. It was like, the, it was like, it was tremendous as a kid, and everybody went down there to watch the tall ships go by, and the hot sea was just, it was so tidal, such a huge flow of water. It was not that bad. It wasn't that bad, you know? But there's, there's certain places, like Gowanus is brutal. Uh, like like Jersey City, the uh, Morris Canal Basin, there's still sewage. Like like if we get a big rainstorm, it's a combined sewer outflow, so it's just nasty. All the shift, all the stuff from the street gets gets thrown into the sewers and it gets in there. But if it doesn't rain for a while in the summer, that water's gonna be real clean, man. But Newark Bay is always funky because you have the Passaic and the Hackensack leading into it, and you know. But now, uh, uh, by Newark Bay, where the Passaic, uh, not so much the Hackensack, yeah. but the Passaic River is leading into it, uh, sometimes there have been dead bodies floating by. They've been tossed over from Newark, and they just, Curtis, like, float Curtis, right on by. Yeah. Curtis, you know how many bodies we retrieved? Out of the, I can't even begin to tell you, Curtis. With the fireboat, they, they call us the foulest things ever. Because the bodies sink in the winter... And then as the weather warms, the, 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 you know, the, the gases in the bodies, they pop up. After being down there for six, five, six months in the winter, let me tell you, Curtis, there's nothing as bad as that. That's no, no, and uh, the did job. they ever figure out <laughs> why they were in the uh, river? I guess, uh, you know, they were a little tardy on their bets, maybe. I don't know, Curtis, something, you know? Who knows? Jersey City, you know how it is, Curtis. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the body the body count mounts. I remember being over in Newark, and I'm looking over, and there's the Passaic River, not the Hackensack, not Newark Bay. And all of a sudden, there was a body floating right down. Like <laughs> a cop said, uh, it's another body, uh, Passaic River. I said, aren't you going to fish it out? He said, ah, don't worry about it. They'll get it. Further down the, the Passaic River. <laughs> not our job. We're not frogmen. Anyway, let's go to Donnie in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Donnie? Yeah. Pete Seeger was a communist. Uh, could you talk into your uh, microphone there? You're talking like you're a thousand miles away, Donnie. Hey, Pete, Seeger, Pete, Pete Seeger was a communist. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. 
Uh, you had that red diaper doper baby come on, woman, and you were saying how great uh, May Day. It was like a Stalin rally or something. Well, you know, Pete Seeger was an avowed communist. Uh, he didn't hide the fact, uh, but he tried to do good things and did do good things. You just want to exclude what he was able to do in cleaning up the Hudson River? That was uh, what you call uh, a front group. A front group. A front group. I see. So, yeah. so this song, Where Have All the Flowers Gone, we shouldn't play this song? Well, um, you should be consistent. If uh, Katsimatidis is always chewing AOC's underwear or Bernie's underwear, and then and then you uh, you drag out Pete Seeger in the middle of the night, and uh, some red diaper doper baby comes on, and uh, it's all uh, you know. Uh, uh. I think you got uh, you're a little confused. Uh, the one who loves uh, Bernie Sanders is my wife, Nancy. She's burn, baby, burn. Not John Katsimatidis. <laughs> Boy, that guy down here in Brooklyn, he's been uh, polluted, not by PCBs, but that hard stuff. I don't know if it's bourbon, scotch, whiskey, or a little vodka. Anyway, uh, maybe the worst hour of uh, talk radio I've ever listened to coming up. I'm going to give you a sample. I'm not uh, going to uh, force you to have to listen to jokes that are not funny. It came from the Frank Murano show. Oh, my God. It is so bad. Don't go to sleep. Don't go anywhere. I got to keep you jumping and pumping. This is our Mother's Day extravaganza right here at WABC. Where have all the young men gone? Time to raise the roof because we're going to try to have some fun. We're going to call this uh, the comedy extravaganza on the AM side. Now, when I was clubbing, normally 4 o'clock is when the normal clubs would close. And then we'd have to head to the after-hours clubs and break it to the break of dawn till about 8 o'clock in the morning. So let's just imagine that Caroline's and open mic night is closed. And we've opened up an after-hours joint in which we're going to permit Frank Murano and some of his callers to try to entertain us by giving us belly laughs. Because as we move into Mother's Day, it has been miserable here the last two days. The rain, constant drizzle, the uh, dampness, the gray clouds. It's like, got a break. Got a break, especially for Mother's Day the next few hours. But it may not. So let's see, based on uh, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang, if uh, Frank Morano and his many callers will be able to keep up, keep up with this rate of trying to bring joy and happiness and give you a good belly laugh. Hopefully a hell of a lot better than what I heard in the 4 a.m. hour a few days ago. Oh, that's why you have to listen to Frank Morano every Monday through Fridays from 1 in the morning to 5. 
That's a total of 20 hours a week because I need you to be able to rat them out to me. Always be listening. I can't always go to the podcast at WABCRadio.com because this city, it's fear city. And I've been out there patrolling with the guardian angels in the subways to the wee hours of the morning, to the break of dawn. So please continue to listen to Frank Morano and continue to report all of his ups, downs, and all arounds that he has gone through. Uh, in fact, let's start off this uh, comedy situation involving uh, Frank Morano trying to set the tone for as many listeners with some of the lamest comedy I have ever, ever, ever heard in my life. Um, oh, boy, it's cold out. How cold is it? Well, I mean, it's cold out. It's so cold that, um, you know, politicians are sticking their hands into their own pockets. I mean, it's cold. <sighs> now, you thought it couldn't get any worse than that, right? Think again. How cold is it? I mean, it's cold. It's so cold that uh, Chris Christie is uh, staying off the beach, you know. Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie. I get more laughs just calling him Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie. Boy, Broadway Billy, is that the best you can do? Well, what is this, Avery, the best of Frank Morano uh, with comedy? It is so lame and corny. Let's go to his caller and see if his caller can outdo Frank Morano. Why couldn't the pony sing a lullaby? I give up. Because she was a little horse. Okay, that's okay. that's funny. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, let's try the caller again. A ham sandwich walks into a bar. Orders a beer. The bartender says to the ham sandwich, sorry, we're not serving food. <laughs> okay, that's a little better. I like that one a little more. God, it doesn't take much to get Frank Morano to laugh. And let's go to that caller. Let's give him a third try. But, you know, three strikes and you're out, pal. This is the final one. The biggest joke ever. He's in the White House right now, Joe Biden. Have a good night, Frank. God, that wasn't even funny. one 800 That's one 800 Then he had a call to come up, go through these hysteronics, and it ultimately settled on, I think, well, you, you, you be the judge. A Jewish couple named Rosenberg win the New York lottery. And they're so rich they can hire themselves a real English butler, someone who looks like Alfred Pennyworth out of Batman. They don't even know his name. They call him Jeeves. One day afternoon, Mrs. Rosenberg says, Jeeves, we're expecting our best friends, the Weinbergs, for dinner. Please set places for four. So she bustles around the house, and about quarter to six, she walks into the dining room, and she looks around, and she looks around, got a peculiar face on, look on her face. Jeeves, she says, come in here. Yes, Mum." Didn't I tell you that we were expecting our best friends, the Weinbergs, to set places for four at six? Yes, Mom. Well, unless I'm seeing double, how come I'm seeing places for eight? Oh, Mom, I was about to tell you that. Your friend, Mrs. Weinberg, called, and she said she and her husband are coming, and they're bringing the bagels and the bialis. <laughs> that 
Dracula. That's not bad. That's not bad, Robert. Thank you. That's good anti-wasp humor, right? Anti-wasp humor? Wait a second. Isn't Frank Morano now a Methodist, right? He's gone from being a Catholic to an Episcopalian, which is a wannabe Catholic, the Church of England, to now a Methodist. So Frank is now a wasp who drinks martinis. That's pretty waspy, if you ask me, drinking martinis. And it was just too long of a joke, way too long of a joke. So then it was another caller talking about the uh, producer of the Johnny Carson show, Fred uh, DeCorva. This fella comes into Fred DeCorva's office with his dog, and he says to Fred, you know, Fred, I've got the smartest dog in the world. You've got to book him for The Tonight Show. Well, you know, we do animal acts with people like... Jim Fowler and others, but, you know, we kind of have our whole routine. No, 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 you don't understand. This dog's not just smart. This dog talks. All right, well, that's interesting. Well, let's see him talk. So the guy turns to his uh, dog. He says, Rusty, um, what is, um, how would you describe sandpaper? And the dog says, rough. Then he says to the dog, Rusty, what's on top of the building where we are? He says, roof. And he says, Rusty, if, if you had to pick, who would you say the best baseball player of all time is? And he says, Ruth. And then Fred at this point says, all right, I've seen enough of this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to deal with charlatans like you. I have people trying to come into this office all day long and get booked on the show. He throws the guy and his dog out. At that point, they're out. They're kicked out on the street. And the dog uh, turns to his owner and he says, DiMaggio? That is so lame. And they let Frank tell these corny jokes here on WABC? That's just like uh, 20 minutes that I'm never going to get back in my life. I haven't heard one good joke from the Frank Morano show. Let's try Fred from Yonkers. Hey, Frank, good morning. Did you hear about this, this geometry teacher? She got in trouble for teaching her kids. The chief Sokotoa song. Sokotoa, Sokotoa. I didn't think she was trying to be racist. She just was born under a bad sign. Ah. Oh, really bad. Really bad. I mean, it's amateur hour. We're not talking Ted Max amateur hour. We're talking... Frank Morano, the amateur doing comedy with his amateur callers trying to do comedy. So weak, so soft. I thought I was going to get a few belly laughs, right? No. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Elena, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Elena. Hi there. Hi there. First of all, this isn't a joke. This is an incident that happened as a result of a uh, uh, a comment that Frank made to me on Thursday. Um, first of all, you know who it is. You know what the kind of horror is. Could you re- could you repeat that, Elena? Yeah, I know you know who it is. You know what the kind of horror is. A kind of horror. I've heard the term, but no, educate me, please. The, the evil eye. Oh, the maluk. Yeah. 
Well, Thursday, besides being uh, Cinco de Mayo, it was also Israel Independence Day. Yes. As a rule, I don't listen to Frank Morano. I used to, but for certain reasons, I don't need more. And I usually turn in when he's uh, doing the, uh, was it 15 Minutes of Fame? Yes. And um, I uh, he was talking about uh, the Cinco de Mayo. I called in and I said, you know, I said, besides say, being Cinco de Mayo, today is also Independence Day. Uh, he made one of his sarcastic remarks to me. And... Um, Seven minutes later, I have a friend, a friend of mine called from Israel called me. And in fact, you might even know him, uh, being that I know you have your guys in Israel. Um, he does a search and rescue program. He has a search, search, search and rescue program. Seven minutes, seven, exactly. After he made that remark to me. One of the guys that works that helps my friend calls me that the terrorists set fire to his kennels. Oh, God. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Seven horrible. minutes after Morano made that comment to me. Oh, I know, but Elena, you, the, there's no synergy there, though. No, I think you're overboard on that, Elena. There's no synergy whatsoever. Well, boy, Frank, uh, I think he's got to apologize to Elena. I really do. You know, those quips, those sharp remarks of his, it's like daggers, you know, death by a thousand cuts. But he's the golden boy. He can do no wrong. He is the chosen one. He is uh, the untouchable. Nothing we can do, ladies and gentlemen. He is the future of talk radio, as it has been described to me by the barons of this industry, our owners, our operators, uh, our management here, our suits, our markers. They've said uh, he's the future of talk radio, and the future is here and now. So I'll make sure, Elena, that uh, Frank addresses that, but I think... um, he had nothing at all to do with that. Let's go to Pete in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Yeah, hi, Curtis. I am, uh, first thing I, I want to say is that that, that uh, joke with the dog, I heard that when I was 10 years old. And I'm 72. <laughs> so I, I think it's a little old, you know? Yes. I where he got that from. Yes. But, uh. Uh, the other thing is, I'm very impressed of uh, your respect for unions, because you don't really hear this from Republicans nowadays. I mean, the only re- uh, unions they like are police unions, which uh, to me aren't really unions. They're <clears throat> well, it's like brotherhoods. Yeah, no, no, that's a good way of describing them. Uh, they are like brotherhoods and sisterhoods, uh, police uh, unions, although... They will go to the mat for the the men and women uh, in their union. Uh, I think uh, because I grew up in a strong union household where my father was uh, also a uh, delegate to the National Maritime Union, he was an insurgent against uh, Joe Kearns uh, and his uh, trustees. Uh, He was always battling them. I learned learned a lot about the internal mechanisms, also the respect uh, that you should have for other unions if they set up a picket line, 
uh, and also uh, the difference in terms of uh, what gets done by union personnel versus those who are not affiliated with unions, especially in the world of construction. There's such a major difference between what you get uh, in the construction industry from uh, union workers as opposed to uh, independent, autonomous, uh, or what I'll call free agents right, right, right. who are not unionized. Yeah, like my, uh, my mom told me, uh, you know, like long ago when I was a kid, uh, you know, get a job with a union because my dad was uh, was a machinist and he worked in a place where there was no union. He got screwed over and uh, and considered that he didn't think I'd go to college. I did after after the service, but still I. I went in the union and the uh, civil service union. But uh, that was the way to protect yourself, she said, because my father had no protection. You know, he was uh, in his late 60s, and he just let him go with a handshake and $1,500, and that was it, and goodbye, have a nice life. And uh, that was his pension. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, uh, there are quite a few people who have had those same experiences. They didn't get the gold watch. They didn't get the 401k. They didn't get a retirement condo or co-op in Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York. They got what we 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 call ugats, uh, bupkis. Yeah, exactly. And what I'm thinking, Curtis, is I I, I think uh, that you hit on something here. I think that you, as someone that respects unions, you know, and respects, I mean. There's like no place for a lot of people in this country. I mean, the Democratic Party, like Reagan said, the Democratic Party left him. He didn't leave the Democratic Party. And I, I think that uh, I started as Republican and I became a Democrat. And uh, and now, to me, there's there's no party for me because they're both crazy. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Pete, you mentioned uh, former President Ronald Reagan. Uh, he came to the forefront as president of the National uh, SAG, uh, SAG-AFTRA Union uh, and, th- and then got in the, involved in politics in which uh, he couldn't be any more anti-union. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that is true. But uh, I'll tell you this, uh, the unions uh, for a long time tainted by organized crime, which uh, took advantage of the unions and the union members, uh, raided a lot of the pension funds. Uh, All of a sudden, guys and gals who were contributing to the pension funds, including the businesses that they work for, uh, they let the union control the pension fund, and the pension fund became insolvent. Not all unions, but some of them. Uh, but it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So it's almost like uh, we need to um, sort of restructure the history. I, You see, most Americans do not understand why unions came about. Uh, they don't understand how the AFL came about and the CIO and how they merged and how difficult it was for workers who had no protections whatsoever could be hired one day, fired the next, could be injured on uh, in the line of uh, their job's duty, and then all of a sudden discarded to the side uh, that the unions uh, were able to uh, develop to protect the workers. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, like people don't understand or, or don't remember how, how things were in this country at one time, and I think they're getting that way again. I mean, my grandmother... My grandmother worked in a factory at age 12. And people say, well, how could that be? 
Well, she was born in the 1890s, and I think the first uh, child labor laws only came about in uh, in, in uh, 1914. So, yeah, she worked in a factory because her father died, and she was the oldest child. And uh, and that's the way things were, and unions were necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And I really blame the fact that uh, when it comes to history, when it comes to civics, when it comes to current events, there's little, if any, of that that is taught in the schools. There's a dearth of information. And then you become uh, subject to uh, the political ideology that is closest to you. So on the left, all unions are great. On the right, all unions are bad. And then you recognize that the truth is really somewhere in between. Exactly. Exactly. But no, no, I appreciate that uh, because you, you straightened out a lot of those images. That's for sure. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Coming up, we've got to talk about the uh, Roe v. Wade briefly because there's a lot of misinformation about that in terms of the politics with the reality of what a woman is subject to. And the fact now, put aside Roe v. Wade, they are creating terminology, words, that describe men as being pregnant too, not just women. I'm trying to figure out how that works. That if you want to identify as a man who is pregnant, you're able to do that. We live in a world now where you're able to identify yourself by whatever you want to call yourself, even though if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. (laughs) Identify a guy as being pregnant. Tampons in a men's room. What the hell would you be putting a tampon machine in a men's room for? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to... uh, Pamela, who's calling from New Jersey, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pam. Yeah, uh, labor unions and everything, they had a good cause to come about. But unfortunately, the Communist Party hijacked labor unions, the nature movement, music, and Hollywood. And look, now we have no industry to have unions for. I don't understand. What do you mean? Uh, I I just mentioned organized crime. Do you think... it was all the communists? Well, or, well, the organized crime part of it, too. But the communists uh, used nature, music, Hollywood, labor unions to get money and to be a front, like that gentleman said a few calls ago. And uh, unfortunately, you know, like um, my dad was a mechanic, non-union. And believe me, I know the difference between non-union and union. And my uh ancestors worked in the factories they were all missing fingers from being teenagers working in the textile factories and losing fingers but uh he had a friend who worked in uh, the car assembly lines and they were earning like way too much and you know buying you know four cars and vacationing and he and he said you know this can't continue because the the car industry is going to leave this country Uh, they can't afford to pay all this and sure enough it happened, and now we have no garment industry. We have no auto industry. It's uh, mostly shipped out, and look where we are. It's uh, And, you know, there was a good reason for unions. 
Yes, but unfortunately, like all good things, it was hijacked. Just like uh, the women's movement, unfortunately, was hijacked too into something uh, hard communist. Well, now, you're saying the women's movement was hijacked by hard communists? Yeah, it started out, you know, treating women fairly, and then it turned into uh, a communist movement. But, you know, they're smart. They know how to do it. No, 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 I understand. But you you do realize that we live in a country where you can be a communist. Mm, Well, remember, like, for instance, uh, now that we're, we're technically at war with Russia because we're backing the Ukraine. Uh, technically, you could uh, describe us uh, at being uh, at war with Russia because we're supplying them with all the arms that will enable them to protect themselves from more Russian incursions. Uh, but I don't see communism in Russia at all. It's it's uh, it's czarist uh, capitalism. We have to have a happy medium, you know. Like the, Reagan said, he he left the uh, Democratic Party when one day he was having a meeting. You know, the, the, he was the head of the uh, you know, um, sag after, right? And um, a, a, a communist came up to him who was, you know, inf- infiltrated, let's say, the Democratic uh, Party, and he said, "You know, uh, we wouldn't have tolerated you." And he goes, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, "We don't tolerate in in our party. We don't tolerate anybody who is against us." So um, he he knew at that point that the communists were trying to were infiltrating the uh, the union, the Hollywood union. And that's when he became uh, a Republican because it, this guy was like scary. And like you said, oh, yeah, we have a right to be a communist in America. True. But, um, <laughs> you know, there there's a thin line between uh, going full force communism and stating your your opinion. And uh, right now, one side is more powerful than the other. And look how look where we're going. No, 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 totally understood. There's no doubt that the history here in America is communists have tried to influence unions, have tried to embed themselves, have tried to take the country in a different direction. Uh, But that's the ongoing battle of ideologies. But remember, you could be a socialist and function in America. You could be a communist. There is a communist party. There is a socialist party. We allow for all that. Uh, you just uh, hope that they don't try to change uh, the country by violent means uh, and do it at the ballot box, which the Democrat Socialists of America are definitely trying to do. And in some instances, they have been effective because they have out-organized the moderate Democrats who are asleep and the Republicans uh, who in some areas of our country have lost membership as uh, those who register uh, uh, to vote uh, believe that they're free agents, that they're independents, and that they're not party apparatchiks. That's right, the dark side of the morning. You got to stay awake. You got to be an insomaniac like I am until the break of dawn. Although it seems it's miserable out there. It's damp. It's wet. It's raining. But it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Meantime, uh, I've been uh, 
interested in hearing all the arguments here at WABC, the number one news talk station in the nation, from all of our hosts and hostesses on what may be a vegetable decision by the United States Supreme Court to roll back Roe v. Wade. And everyone with their self-righteous indignation, uh, they know. But you got to be a student of history. And I look at both sides and I say, hmm, how married to the idea are they of being pro-life or pro-choice? So let's look at the Republican side. And I can remember brand new, just elected Former actor, now governor of California, soon to be president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, signed a bill, one of the first as governor in Sacramento, liberalizing abortion laws and also allowing for a tax increase. Yeah, that was uh, Ronald Reagan, who never turned out to be a holy roller, believed in astrology, especially after he got shot and he started listening to uh, Nancy Uh, who would schedule his days based on the stars, not by any biblical passages. And then there was Bush 41 who ran against Ronald Reagan in the primary. Remember in 1980, uh, he lost. It was a campaign in which uh, Bush 41 was uh, pro-choice. Ronald Reagan was pro-life. And uh, Bush 41 accused Ronald Reagan of voodoo economics. You remember that? Nancy Reagan was very upset with Bush 41 over that. So they were at the Joe Lewis Arena uh, to pick uh, officially the Republican candidate. Uh, It was unanimous for Ronald Reagan. But remember, the former president at that point, Gerald Ford, had suggested a power-sharing co-presidency. And Ronald Reagan said, I'm not sharing her presidency with Gerald Ford. He wanted Laxalt, aid from Nevada. His team said, Laxalt? What do they have, like two electoral votes? You got to get Bush 41 on. So he said, look, I'll take Bush 41 from Texas. But he's got six hours to turn around his pro-choice belief and become pro-life. And so... Bush 41 was asked, are you going to support the Reagan platform of pro-life? And within six hours, Bush 41 had an epiphany. He was suddenly pro-life. Trump, who originally was pro-choice, became pro-life when he wanted to run for president. Likewise, uh, Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie, had been pro-choice, all of a sudden wanted to run for president, became pro-life. And I'll never forget standing outside of Madison Square Garden. It was the uh, summer that I had uh, been shot up, June 19th, 1992. And they were having the Democratic Convention in Madison Square Garden. I was upstairs broadcasting at WABC. And I remember that uh, the Democrats who went on to nominate uh, Governor Bill Clinton of Arkansas, who would then run against Ross Perot, the Reform Party candidate, and Bush uh, 41, would not allow Governor Bob Casey Sr. to speak at the Democratic National Convention in New York because he was pro-life. Casey originally was from Jackson Heights, grew up in Scranton, you know, Joe Biden land, Scranton. And I think had run like three separate times for governor of Pennsylvania, but always 
he was being confused with other Bob Casey's. There were other Bob Casey's, both Democrats and Republicans, running for office. So by 1980, he had a campaign that said, Casey is not Casey. And finally, he won the governorship on his fourth try because he took on James Carville, the snake. And he, he advertised that I'm the real Bob Casey, sort of like uh, the real Slim Shady, right? Would the real Slim Shady stand up, please? <laughs> Would the real Bob Casey stand up? The three-time loser from Holy Cross. That's right, Holy Cross. He played basketball with Bob Cousy of the Celtics at Holy Cross. But anyway, the point is he was ostracized, Casey, even though he was the governor, simply because he was pro-life. Crooked Joe Crowley, who lost his congressional seat to AOC, all-out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, Uh, When he first uh, made his bones in politics running for the assembly in Queens, he was pro-life. Tommy Matten, who was the congressman who was suffering from prostate cancer, he was also the uh, chairman of the crooked Queens uh, Democratic uh, Party, said to to, uh, Joe Crowley, look, I want you to be congressman, but you're going to get challenged if you're pro-life. And so all of a sudden, quickly, he became pro-choice. So I can go through a whole litany of politicians on both sides of the aisle who made their choice about being pro-life or pro-choice based on the politics and not the morality. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bob. Yeah, good morning, uh, Curtis. Uh, I want to congratulate you on your, uh, your uh, run for uh, mayor. Uh, it was a breath of fresh air, and unfortunately, uh, the, the voters uh, didn't have much sense in New York City, and they get what they get. So uh, I just wanted to make a comment, uh, a somewhat humorous comment on, on what you had said about uh, the, uh, I think it was the Oregon state, uh, the Oregon governor, uh, putting um, uh, tampons in the boys' rooms in the high schools. Is that correct? That is correct. It's starting in Oregon, but there's already uh, uh, sort of hints that they want to start doing it here in New York City. Uh, well, I mean, it could be an emergency measure to, uh, in a reverse, uh, reversing the tampons and use them for uh, cases of rectal bleeding uh, for whatever the causes that may arise. So, I mean, or, that would be one use. Or, be or, Bob, nosebleeds. I mean, how many times have I had nosebleeds? Guy had punched me right in the schnoz, couldn't stop the bleeding. The nose wasn't broken or fractured, but the corpuscles had been broken. So imagine you take two tampons and stick it up your schnoz. Yeah, I've had to do that. Yes, I, I will be the first to admit, you know, it's you get punched right in the nose. Your nose won't stop bleeding. You don't have the materials uh, that they use uh, in a fighter's corner. The trainer has all these special uh, uh, chemicals and methods that they can stop bleeding. Man, just shove it up your schnoz. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Jimmy, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Curtis, 
Brenda Belovac, you're cute. I love you. Never mind the tin pecs, tampons, and all that other stuff. I got a little joke I want to tell you if you got a second for me. You got it for me or no? Hey, you got what I got. All right. Angelina and Nino, they're married 75 years. And every night, Angelina sat at the edge of the bed naked for circulation. You know, she threw her legs over her head. So this night, her legs got stuck in the headboard. So she's screaming, Nino, run out car. Are you the more? Come here, help me. So he's about 96. He walks up the steps. He looks on the bed once. He looks again. He said, oh, he said, put your teeth in and brush your hair. You look a mess. <laughs> Sounds like uh, something you'd hear on the Frank Morano show Monday through Fridays from 1 in the morning to 5. Definitely sounds like that. Oh, let's flip the script and go to uh, Angelo, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Angelo. I just saw a good joke on uh, TV. What does the IRS stand for? What does the IRS stand for? I reamed Sliwa. I reamed Sliwa. You see, I I can tell I have the, uh, some of the Frank Morano audience really lame. You figure these guys have been working on this, right? You know, this is their routine for like hours. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, John. John. Oh, no. Don't tell me the curse of sleeping is upon me. John is there. I can I can hear him. I can hear him in New Jersey there. He's calling from Wildwood. John, John, are you there? Oh man, this is like, this is getting, it's getting to be infectious now. First it was Juan in Boston uh, last week. Originally he was from Bolivia. He uh, went to sleep on me. Then it was Eileen uh, 24 hours ago in Queens. She went to sleep on me. And now it's John in Wildwood, New Jersey. John, wake up. Wake up, John! What the hell is going on here? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Allie in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Allie? Yes, how you doing, Chris? Uh, Allie, remember there are Robert rules uh, and regulations in terms of callers, of which we encourage. Generally, there's 1% of the talk radio listeners who will ever call a talk radio program. We need to increase that exponentially because I believe more callers, if you're a good caller, you get more quality time talking. But you have to follow a certain pattern, which is don't ever ask me how I'm doing because, Holly, I've had better days. Gabish, I've had better days. Gabish, I'm a black American from the Bronx and I met you on one of my construction jobs walking down the block and I'm a retired cement and concrete worker and I signed up 300 people to the union and let me tell you the medical the dental 
the benefits, the eyeglasses, the annuity. You can't beat that. I'm an edu- uneducated man, and if it wasn't for the union, I wouldn't know what to do, where to go, and where to turn. Is the best thing in the world. And for them to break them up and everything that they're doing, that's a sin to our country and to our people. And thank you so much, and God bless you. Ah, I hear that, uh, Ali. Uh, solidarity forever. You ought to go out singing that song. Solidarity forever. Let me save that for the shower stall. Oh, my God. I got a little carried away. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mike in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. But most important, I wanted to ask if you knew that uh, the, uh, you know, the the rich, uh, uh, what was the name of the horse again? Rich uh, Chance or something? Rich, uh, uh, the one who won in the Kentucky Derby. But they only bought him for $30,000, and he netted $1.86 million. So he was a long shot from the time the owner bought him. And uh, that, that's something that's incredible. But the other thing I wanted to ask you is you wanted to give odds between Manny Pacquiao and Marcos in the Philippines. Oh. Uh, elections on Monday. Elections that's right. Monday. The elections on Monday. Unfortunately, the aristocracy continues. It looks like Marcos is going to win. And uh, Duarte's uh, daughter uh, looks like she will win as vice president. So you say to yourself, I would much uh, have preferred uh, Pacquiao, uh, the great fighter there. Uh, but it just seems to me that... Uh, the Filipinos had broken away from this uh, aristocracy uh, when they got rid of uh, uh, Marcos, when they got rid of Emilda, and they got rid of Marcos uh, himself, who turned uh, into a dictator when he was flown to Hawaii. Uh, they went with Corazon Aquino, then they had some democracy for a while, and now they're back to the aristocracy. But it looks like they're going to elect Marcos and Duarte's daughter, and it's like uh, almost royalty. Well, there's a, there's a lady in pink. Now, you got to watch that lady in pink. Her name's Lenny Robredo, and she's rising pretty fast. But, uh, you know, she's only second in the polls. Sadly, Manny Pacquiao is running third, though. Yeah, I would have thought that he would have been the odds-on favor initially, only because of how popular uh, he is in the Philippines. When I was in the Philippines, extraordinarily popular. Uh, he wasn't uh, chasing skirts and drinking and carousing, seemed to uh, be on the straight and narrow path. Uh, but uh, the Phil- they're, they're, they're into nepotism now. So you have the Marcos kid. He's going to probably be elected president. You have the Duarte daughter. She's going to be elected vice president. And it's just going to continue. But let me flip the script and go back to uh, Churchill Downs and the 104th, uh, 48th running of the Kentucky Derby. And they're into the stretch, and it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandin, these two, strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter's handed. Reach strike is coming up on the inside. 
shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset. Forget Rich Strike, Lightning Strike. That's one of the biggest upsets in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Friday morning at 8 a.m., this horse was not in the race. Eric Reed, the trainer, Sonny Leon, the jockey, have never been a part of the Derby, and they have won an unbelievably upset, shocking Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike, who went off at 80 to 1. Mike, you could have bought this horse for $30,000 last September. He was in a claiming race. You're absolutely right, Mike. Uh, in fact, uh, I was filled, filled with the sense of victory as I saw the horses turn that three-quarter mark, my pick to win, Epicenter, l- clearly looked like the winner. I had picked Zandon to finish third, uh, but he was moving up on Epicenter, so I was guaranteed at least two out of my first three picks, and then out of nowhere... Came this lightning strike, lucky strike, rich strike. Uh, and then he uh, he just, by a nose, he won the race. And I said to myself, who the hell are these people, Mike? I, 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 did, did you hear the trainer? The trainer whose uh, name was Eric Reed, he sounded like a hillbilly. I don't know how. I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about passed out. I'm so happy. You can't and explain that. This is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, I thought he was uh, a horse who was pulling a plow like two days ago, and Sonny Leon was next to the plow, and all of a sudden he's the winning jockey. Unbelievable, Mike. In March, uh, Rich uh, Strike lost to Epicenter. There was a race somewhere where, where the two of them competed, and Epicenter beat him then handily. But but looks like uh, lightning struck now. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, in fact, we were informed of that by uh, our degenerate uh, gambler who was calling from uh, New Jersey, who told us exactly that, that, in fact, there had been a race down in Louisiana in which Epicenter had had literally run away. It might have even been 20 furlongs. He had beat uh, Rich Strike, uh, Lucky Strike, uh Whatever strike it is, uh, who came out of nowhere to win this? It's it's you know it's amazing, but you know that's luck. That's luck of the draw. That's lightning, you know. And uh, it's just uh, that old good old country boy charm, I guess, that came along there. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, I've been crushed with uh, what would have been the thrill of victory, Rich. Excuse me, Mike, but it's now the agony of defeat. I know that so many of you were waiting for my picks because over the course of 32 years in broadcasting, most at WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis on the Weekends. I I had secured quite a few picks uh, that became winners at both the Kentucky Derby, uh, the first leg of the Triple Crown, and then the Preakness, which is the next leg, which will be in Baltimore, and then the final leg at the Belmont Stakes, which is uh, partially in Long Island and partially in uh, Queens. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And so you have uh, Rich Strike, who is the winner 
And then all of a sudden, after it crosses the finish line, Ritz Strike starts attacking the other ponies. I mean, biting them right in their mane. We need him, man. Hey! Hey! Careful there, Ritz Strike. What a moment for Ritz Strike. When the trainer, Eric Reed, from Versailles, Kentucky, 57 years old, found out that Ethereal Road was scratched yesterday, his quote was, as you see the horse Mike, acting Mike, up a little bit here. he's trying to savage yep. the pony. Yeah. As if he hasn't done enough already beating 19 other horses. He's, he's trying to beat up on the pony. Beat up on the pony. He attacked the pony. And the other ponies that were just trying to take him to the winner's circle. Hey! Hey! I got to believe that this horse was juiced up. He came out of nowhere. I don't know exactly uh, what may have been flowing through its veins and arteries. But I got to believe that when they finally got the winning horse back to the stall, that they gave uh, that horse some uh, ketamine, which is like an animal tranquilizer, just to calm its nerves. Or in Philly, they call it trank. It's a street drug uh, sold openly in Somerset and Kensington. Uh, And uh, you can't reverse it with Narcan or Naloxone because it's not an opioid. No, it's not an opioid at all, but it's highly addictive and will definitely tranquilize you to the point where the winning horse, uh, Lucky Strike, uh, Bridge Strike, will not be attacking any uh, ponies uh, in the near future. We need him, man. Hey! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And this rich strike was uh, seven times out of the uh, docks in races. It won once, it showed three times, and lost three times. 80 to 1 odds. Incredible. And then... Listen to that hillbilly trainer, Eric Reed. They're from Covington, Kentucky. Any of you who've ever been to uh, Cincinnati, Natty Boys over the Rhine, Vine Street. You know that at one point, uh, uh, Jerry Springer was the mayor of Cincinnati. It was more of a ribbon-cutting situation. It didn't have the power of the mayoralty of major cities. But Springer, friend of Frank Morano. By the way, Frank has had him on as a guest, not to answer questions, but actually to sing songs. The guy should be relegated to singing his songs in a shower stall. He's horrible. But Frank loves him. Uh, Anyway, he tells the story of how he would cross the river and go into Covington, Kentucky, which is run by the Mexican, excuse me, not the Mexican mafia, the Dixie mafia. And he bounced a check to a prostitute. It... Uh, was printed in the Cincinnati Inquirer, and he he had to be bounced as mayor. And you know the rest of the story. He ends up becoming a um, a a host on the Jerry Springer show. Remember, Jerry, 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 and became a friend of Frank Morano. But when you go to Covington, Kentucky, from uh, Cincinnati over the Rhine, uh, everybody there sounds like uh, the trainer. 
uh, of uh, <laughs> Rich Strike, Eric Reed. I don't know how I fell down the paddock when he hit the wire. I, I about put out. I'm so happy. And this is something that, you know, is the reason everybody does this, because we're not supposed to be here. But I knew this horse loved the track, and he'd been training so good all year. And thanks to Rick for getting me here. But And Sonny Leon, they know who he is now. Yeah, they know who he is. He's uh, based in Ohio. The day before, he had mounted uh, six, seven, six separate rides at the track in uh, Cincinnati. Something about this uh, doesn't strike me the right way. The good thing, though, is that the guy with white hair and tinted glasses, who's always a fixture at the Triple Crown, uh, was put on the shelf, Bob Baffert, for cheating, for drugging horses. Uh, he was cited for drugging the winner of last year's Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, who uh, eight days later washed out on a drug test and lost the Kentucky Derby crown, and then months later uh, died while training on the track uh, as its uh, heart imploded, almost like uh, an aorta exploding, uh, which has happened to human beings from time to time. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Up next, we finish out as we go to the 6 o'clock hour as I keep you pumping and jumping. Nobody's going to sleep. You're all going to join the fraternity and sorority of insomaniacs because we're going to be talking about Mom's Day, not Mother's Day for the races. But Mom's Day, which is here right now, whether there's a shortage of flowers or not, it's time to do due diligence on this Mother's Day on the Curtis Sleeve Show right here at 77 AM WABC. All night long, this is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Here's Curtis Lewa. Like saying hello and thank you, please. 
as we wind towards the 6 o'clock hour. And I keep you pumping and jumping. Nobody's going to sleep. You're remaining a member of the fraternity or the uh, sorority of uh, the Insomaniacs of America. Listeners of the number one news talk station in uh, the nation, WABC, with our 50,000 powerful watts of sound. Now that it's dusk, uh, being heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe and uh, down in Davy Jones's locker that separates uh, the Bahamas from uh, Bermuda. You're going to have an opportunity to talk about your mama or your grandmother or that person who was uh, so important in your life that although they may not have been a blood mother to you or grandmother, served as a mother and kept you uh, out of trouble and on the straight and narrow. Or the alternative, uh, you may have had a mommy dearest situation. I'll never forget that when uh, Christina Crawford, the adopted daughter of the great actress Joan Crawford, wrote this uh, book talking about how uh, Joan had been so... uh, So uh, much of an alcoholic, imbalanced, brutal towards her. And a lot of people said, well, even if that's true, you might say that about daddy. You might say that about father or pops or whatever you refer to your daddy as. Well, you never say that about mama. You take that to your grave. But there are some people now who say, no, 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 it's even Stevens. There are plenty of mothers out there who uh, do everything they can to make you the person that you become. And grandmothers and surrogate mothers. But there are a few horror stories out there that people have had with their mothers that they cannot deny. Feel free to express yourself in this next hour. It's a Mother's Day extravaganza. By yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Whoever they are out there, wherever they may be, imagine giving Mama, if she's up in heaven, I don't think she's uh, down there where you got to wear an asbestos suit. No, 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 no. Not Mama. Maybe Daddy. Not Mama. Uh, But you can give her a shout-out. Let everybody know how important your mama, your grandmother, or your surrogate mother was to you. It's the perfect opportunity to do it this Mother's Day. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-BC. Let's go to uh, Mickey, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day on WABC, Mickey. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? Oh, 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 wait a minute. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> oh, you get to take it back because it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But I'll tell you, I had the greatest mother in the world. She was the greatest. And unfortunately, I met up with some, you know, women that I dated or other relationships who didn't have such good mothers, they said. They, you know, really, really some pretty wild stories or whatever, you know. But unfortunately, this is life. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You know, but the story is, it's Broadway Bill Lee's birthday today. Oh, it is. Broadway Bill oh, yes, Lee's birthday. Is. Yes, well, and if he's the Broadway Bill Lee that I know from you know where, I, I, should I mention or can I mention? Or of course, I, of I course. I've, I've done so WCBS-FM, you mean? Yes, sir. 
Yeah, oh, no, no, this is this is Broadway Bill Lee. He's augmenting his income here as a board operator. He came out of that mistake by the lake, <laughs> Cleveland. You know, it was the era of Alan Freed and rock and roll. He made his bones yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Then he came to WCBS yeah. in 72. Then he decided to hang it up, uh, get on the shelf for a few years, and now he's making his return and we're proud to have Broadway Bill Lee here as our board operator here on the Curtis Lee Show. You know what? We used to do the jukebox birthday jamboree together. <laughs> yeah, no, he was telling well, that me. Was his birthday. Yeah, he was telling yeah. me uh, about that right before we started the show uh, tonight, which seems like so long ago at 12 midnight. Uh, that birthday jubilee, that jukebox jubilee. Yeah, we used to do the boot, the birthday jukebox. Birthday Jamboree, and uh, I used to start out by saying, is this the one and only? <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it hits him in the flesh. You see, you see we we here uh, on the another side of midnight, or as John Casamitidis, our owner and operator, refers to it as the other, other, other side of midnight, uh, we go all out. Our personnel are five-star top shelf. Uh, it's not amateur hour here. Imagine, we have a talent. Like Broadway, oh, yes. Broadway, Bill Lee actually operating <laughs> our boards. And Avery, who is our overnight producer and phone screener and number one rat, I mean, uh, number one informer <laughs> of the other side of midnight, uh, Frank Morano and that lame crew of Alex and Matt and uh, Felipe, who fell asleep. Can you imagine this? Frank Morano's board operator fell asleep on him. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's the farthest from genuine in the world. So Fair enough, Tuna. Thank you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. So far, I'm alone on this one. What about you, Philippe? If you were if you were met a mayor that you didn't like their politics and they wanted to take a photo with you, would you would you want to take a photo with them or would you run away? Philippe? Yeah, I guess you're not listening. All right. You guess you weren't listening to anything I just said. I didn't mean to throw you here, Philippe. Not exactly a, a trick question. Never mind. Never mind. We're, we're moving on. We're moving on. It's okay. Ned is in Stamford. Hello, Ned. See that, Mickey? Yeah, I hear you. The, the board up fell asleep on Frank Morano. <laughs> He must have had a good night the night before, maybe. Who knows? And his other one, his other board operator who was away in Florida, Matt, uh, he borrowed my belt one night and went into the bathroom. And I'm saying to myself, what the hell is he borrowing my belt for? Not, oh, wow. Not good, right, Mike? Uh, could have a, no, no, not good, not good. Could uh, have a hypodermic oh. problem there. Oh, Curtis, I need, I need to ask you a question about some politics stuff. If if you uh, can tell me, Walter Mondale and G- uh, Geraldine Ferraro were running. Uh, what 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 were they? Were they on the Republican ticket? No, no. In fact, I was outside of the Moscone Center in San Francisco when they were nominated by the Democratic Convention. Uh, that had a speech given by Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. They were talking about Mario uh, running for president four years later, but it was Walter Mondale, Geraldine Ferraro. Uh, running against uh, Bush 41 and Dan Quayle. Remember the guy who couldn't spell potato. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, it was out there outside of the Moscone Center. And, boy, they jammed up Geraldine Ferrara right away with her husband, uh, who had mob affiliations. Uh, they had filed, uh, I think, uh, uh, tax returns uh, as a couple instead of separate. So she had to bear the burden of this guy. And, boy, it was all downhill for her, all downhill. Good Lord. Unbelievable. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, my salute to all the mamas out there. Whether you liked or disliked, you're still the, you're still a mama and you still gave birth to uh, children that you brought into this world. Exactly. Well said, Mickey. Well said. Let's give it a little bit of that music underneath as we create the feeling for this Mother's Day. You have an opportunity to give a shout-out to your mom, to your grandmother, to your surrogate mother. Or you could uh, recall that Mama was more like uh, Joan Crawford, featured in Mommy Dearest uh, by her stepdaughter, the book written by Christina Crawford, who said that Joan Crawford was uh, alcoholic, was uh, imbalanced, was off the hook. Boy, I remember when that first came out. How can you say that about mommy? Daddy? Yeah. I mean, people do that all the time against daddies. Well, mommy? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Lenny, who's calling from Florida. It's your turn to be heard on Mother's Day here at WABC, Lenny. No, just kidding, Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) You got me, Sykes. Hey, um, the saint of the, the midnight saint, that's what I'm calling you. Anyway, I'm going to give a shout out to all the moms, but especially to my mom and to my aunt. My mom was such a lady, you couldn't, couldn't believe. She had a hard time, loved everybody. I had a brother who was unfortunately mixed up with hard drugs. She had to deal with that. I had a handicapped sister growing up. I have a handicapped sister that my mother, back in the day, my mom and dad, they didn't put her in a home like they did back in those days. And to this day, my sister's thriving in a beautiful group home in in Belrose, in, in uh, United Cerebral Palsy, and a remarkable job on her. Uh, I have my own little picadillos. And wound up moving down to Florida when my mother, 1A, came in. My Aunt Lil, a beautiful woman, did everything for me, anything for anybody in the family. Such nice people. They don't make them like that anymore. And uh, truly missed them today. And I wish they saw me on my better side, you know? Now, Lenny, where in uh, Florida are you living? I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Ah, okay, now. Weston, Weston. Okay, now, I got to tell you this. Your mother sounds like a saint. Oh, uh, my God. Wow, all the problems that she had to deal with. And how did she hold oh. up under that kind of tension and stress? I don't know. I don't know how she did it. And then my my pops passed away, and she held everything together while I was going through my little hard time. And uh, I, I just don't know how she did it. My, my aunt, unbelievable. Anybody in the family that would have a hard time, my aunt was right there for them. Now, you know, the, the, hardest, the hardest part, Lenny, is when you would break your mother's heart, when you would break her uh, heart. Uh, I watch some of these shows on TV, and I see the scenes, and I'm like, 
put myself in them, and I'm like a man. What I wish, all I can hope is that they're looking down and see the difference. And no matter how bad or whatever I was doing, I always had that goodness in me that was instilled by my mom. Yep. I never really went over the edge, you know. There's no my doubt aunt, about I, it. There's no doubt about was it. A feisty, feisty old bugger. She was a ticket broker in Manhattan where it was all men, you know, and she was involved in the middle of it, and she loved it. And she, at 87 years old or 90 years old, she could barely move, but every night she got up and poured herself a bottle of uh, Ernest and Gallo wine, that big jug of wine, <laughs> and she'd pour herself one. So every time I go to the supermarket now, I go down the wine alley aisle and I say hello to Aunt Lil because she called me at work and she told me, bring home, bring me home some wine. And I was like, you know, you, you're taking too many medicines and you can't take <laughs> the wine anymore. She said, I don't care. I'm 90. I'm 90 years old. Give me my wine. Yep. <laughs> the El Vino. El Vino. Give me oh, more wine. Man, she loved more it. More wine. She loved it. Well, look, uh, Letty, I, I, I can just imagine the way you described uh, your brother, yourself, uh, and your sister. That And my sister, what they did for my sister is unbelievable, mm. you know? I'll tell you a heartbreaking, warm-hearting story. My sister, they sent us some, some places so she could figure out, you know, how to do things for herself. Because she's pretty strong, uh, heavily hit with cerebral palsy. But she's sharp as a tack. I'd say she's got the mind of a seventh, seventh grader or something like that. Very astute. And we'd go and we'd visit her on the weekends. And when we leave, she would cry at the top of her lungs. And you could hear it down the road. So a few years ago, I asked her, why Why did you cry? She said, I didn't think you were coming back. Because she'd see all the other people that had never had anybody come, come back for them. And... Uh, just, uh, just heartbreaking to hear that, you know. Oh, no doubt. And uh, you've left us with a lot of memories, Lenny, in Florida, down in Fort Lauderdale. Let's open up our fine uh, phone lines. It's your opportunity to channel your mother, your grandmother, your aunt, or whoever your surrogate mother was, or it could be uh, your wife, could be your uh, not good mother, uh, your girlfriend, uh, who is a mother. And they need to, to get that tactical air support because mothers have to put up uh, with 10 times more the stress and tensions because a lot of times they are more directly impacted by the actions of their children or grandchildren. Good or bad, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Take advantage of the 50,000 powerful wants of sound, the number one news talk station in the nation. We're going to end up taking this hour, these tributes, on uh, today, Mother's Day. And we're going to put them in the WABC time capsule. So they'll be there in perpetuity. Put it, burn it on a CD, and uh, someone in the future will get this burnt CD. Could be a century or more from now. And we'll know exactly what you had to say about that mother in your life or that surrogate mother or that mommy dearest, that person who so upset you because as your mother, uh, they were definitely imbalanced. 
and uh, sort of really set it off the wrong way. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Giuseppe calling from Ronkonkoma. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day on WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis. I want to wish my mom in heaven a very special uh, Mother's Day. Uh, she was a great mom. Uh, she never got to see my children. That was one of the goals. She always wanted to be a grandmother. She never got to see my kids. Uh, she was always supportive, uh, best friend. Also, I want to wish my wife a very happy Mother's Day. Uh, she's a great mother to my two ch- children. Um, she's just a good person. Um you know, I was listening to when you were doing that little thing on uh, the people saying the comedy uh, jokes. I was the first person you played, Curtis. And uh, the reason why my jokes were the way they were was Frank gave us rules and regulations on what type of jokes we could tell. Wow. So I didn't know that. Yes. If you would have listened, because you didn't want anybody to say anything anti-Semitic or anything like that, you know, which I don't do. But, uh, you know, there was, like, all these criteria you had to go by. You so, know, uh, so basically, I, basically, he was censoring the contributors to his comedy hour. Correct. Correct. Wow. But, um, like I said, um, um, today we all should just, you know, set aside a moment and just enjoy, you know, what's in front of us. Like, like your wives that are here and mothers that are here. Losing my mom, Curtis, uh... 15 years ago, right before my daughter was, it was devastating. Um, and uh, wish all the moms out there on WABC Radio that are listening a very happy, special Mother's Day. And uh, to uh, your wife, too, uh, Curtis, and your mom. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure my mother, Francesca, is staring down uh, from heaven because uh, I don't think she's in limbo. They took that away. Whatever happened to limbo? Uh, she's not in purgatory where it's warm, and I know she's not down below where she'd need an asbestos suit because it's hot. Uh, mothers will always go to heaven. Fathers, <laughs> there's a pretty good chance they're going straight to hell without the asbestos suit. <laughs> but thank you, Giuseppe. And I definitely will give uh, Frank Morano a piece of my mind. But here he is. He's soliciting for jokes. It's an open mic night at WABC, and he's restricting them with all different levels of censorship. Oh, my God. He's worse than Silicon Valley. He's worse than the Zuck. He's worse than the guy who used to be in charge of Twitter who looked like a surfer boy, like he was stoned in a drug-induced psychosis. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day right here on 77 AM WABC, John. Yes, Curtis, I'd like to wish your mother a happy heavenly Mother's Day as well as my own mom. My father always told me throughout my whole life, your mother is the most important person in it. That little spelling of M-O-M is such a mouthful. And you don't know that until they get to be 95 years old and they're going to leave you. Then you realize the effect and the impact it had on you and your your family. Yeah, and remember, John, think back to when you were a child. I've seen it with my own children. That when they get hurt or they get injured, they don't come running to daddy. 
they go running to mama. That tells Very true. that tells you Very something true, right Byron. there. Whether it's uh, right. if they get hurt emotionally, if they get hurt physically, their first knee jerk response is they run to mama. And mama handles everybody differently. Yeah, well, I think uh, mothers generally, not always, but mothers generally are more sensitive, they're more connected, they're more empathetic, they're more sympathetic, uh, whereas dads, in a lot of instances, they lose patience uh, a lot a lot faster, a lot quicker than generally mommy does. Yes, they do. That's yes, very true. But that's why they call them mom. That's for sure. Well, I'm sure you, your mom, wherever she is, is appreciating your shout-out on this Mother's Day. Take advantage of the 50,000 powerful watts of sound, the most uh, important news talk station and strongest in the nation. To give a Mother's Day uh, greeting and wish to your mother or grandmother or your surrogate mother, wherever they may be, whether they're in the hereafter or they're still on this plane, uh, because we're going to take it, we're going to burn it on a CD, we're going to put it in a time capsule. It'll be part of this This Mother's Day tribute will be part of the legacy and the history of this number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Steve in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Good morning, Curtis. How are you? I'm going to let you slide because it's Mother's right. Day, uh, but uh, go Sorry, for it, Steve. Yeah, I'd like to say hi to my mother. She passed away last year. She was the greatest. She was a cat lover. We had four cats at one time. They were all like children. Uh, if it wasn't for my mother, I'd probably be in jail right now. Wow. How did she prevent you uh, from possibly being incarcerated? Well, she straightened me out. She was a good listener, a very smart woman. So listening yeah. listening became the really important thing that she lent your growth period is that she listen and would she comfort you or discipline you? Both. Hmm. Both. That's great. And where uh, where did you grow up, Steve? In the, in the, in the Bronx. And uh, where did your mother grow up? She came from Brooklyn. Well, I know I can feel the emotion in your voice, uh, yeah. but it's so good. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you speak to your mom privately, sometimes quietly. Uh, but in this case, uh, in speaking to your mother, uh, you're speaking to everybody's mother out there. Thank you, Curtis. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Time for you to do your Mother's Day shout-out. Whether it's your grandmother, mother, could be an auntie of yours who uh, in many ways served as a surrogate mother, or it could be somebody who acted like a mother in raising you. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Dave in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day, exclusively here on 77 AM WABC, Dave. Hey, Curtis, how are you? Happy Mother's Day to your mother uh, or your wife. Uh, happy Mother's Day for your wife. I don't know if your mother is still alive or not, but if she isn't, uh, God rest her soul. 
Yeah, well, she uh, passed to the hereafter, uh, Dave, but uh, she had a great life uh, in this world. That's good. good. I'm glad to hear that. I wanted to make a, a quick point. I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother. God rest her soul. She died 17 years ago. Mm. 15, I'm sorry, 15 years ago. She was 80 years old. And she went through a very difficult time, and she was really sick, and she suffered a lot. And I really, I couldn't handle going to the uh, nursing home where she was. I went there, and I had to leave. I couldn't see my mother the way she was. Mm. Where did uh, she grow up herself, Dave? Yonkers, New York. And did she raise you in Yonkers? Uh, until 1965, when we moved to Bergenfield. Uh. And how many siblings did you have? I have a sister and a brother. Wow. And uh, what would you say was the most important time you ever had with your mother where it really significantly had an impact on your life or any of your siblings' lives? Uh, I guess it was, you know, like Mother's Day, getting together and going out to eat. Yeah, which we did every year, and you know, going out uh, with my mother and father and uh, my brother and sister. Was you know? your was your mother a fuss butt? Was she meticulous? Uh, did you have to behave a certain way around her, or was she very laid back? She was laid back. Mm. Uh, can I make another point, real quick? Oh, of course, of course, Dave. Okay, on Frank's show, he's a big wrestling fan. Now, I met Hulk Hogan and a whole bunch of wrestlers, and I was talking to him about this. And then they start playing music, and he says, well, what's that noise? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't hear anything. Then they started playing noise or music to drown me out. And Frank said, Hulk Hogan is six foot six. I have a picture. I met him in Florida. I'm standing right next to him. I'm five foot ten. He's six foot two. That's it. He's no taller. Six foot two. 240 pounds back in 1996. Okay. Wow, so Frank was uh, really criticizing you, making fun of you. Well, he's he's exaggerating. See, what they do in the when it was the WWF and now it's the WWE, they exaggerate when they announce their height and weight or when they announce their weight or they say, you know, build. If you look online, if you look up the wrestler, his build, height, and weight. Um, some of it is exaggerated. A lot of it is. Hmm. For example, Andre the Giant was not seven foot four. He was hmm. maybe six eight or six nine. That's it. Because I remember watching WrestleMania three, and Hulk Hogan. If he's six foot two, standing next to Andre, he'd look like a little guy. And he didn't look like a little guy. Andre looked like he was maybe. Five inches taller than him, six inches taller than him. And my friend used to work at the Howard Johnson's as a waiter. Um, actually, my friend's cousin, when they all wrestled in Madison Square Garden. And all the wrestlers would come in to the Howard Johnson's nearby. And he'd meet all the wrestlers, and he took care of them, and um, he met Andre the Giant. And he said to me, Andre the Giant was not seven foot four. He was about six eight or six nine. Well, I I promise you, uh, Dave, I will carry your torch uh, into battle against Frank Morano and straighten him out on that. 
You see, Frank, uh, he's like a Weisenheimer. He thinks he knows it all. You mention a subject, uh, Frank will just, oh, no, no, no. You, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. I'll straighten him out for you, Dave. I promise you on this Mother's Day. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day on WABC, George. Mommy was a commie. Mommy was a commie. The red diaper doper, baby. The mommy was a commie. Oh, you mean uh, Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie? Something like that. Well, it actually turned out that uh, Ron Kuby, who had been my p- partner in radio for many years, would say to me, why do you say my mommy is a commie? It was my father who was the communist. And I said, because it didn't rhyme. That's why I called his mommy was a commie. Well, this guy, George, he's uh, obsessed with commies. He sees them in his sleep. Anyway, uh, let's go to uh, Bert. Who's calling all the way from the uh, Ukraine, originally from Fairfield County in Connecticut, met a nice Ukrainian woman to have a relationship with her when given the opportunity to leave uh, when uh, Russia began its invasion, decided to uh, stay and embed himself. And he's been so kind to give us uh, updates from time to time. Uh, Before you speak about uh, your mother, Bert, uh, how are things going there from your perspective? Hey there, Curtis. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this past week um, we had um, multiple explosions, I believe, it was Tuesday. Um, and luckily it wasn't so close to me, but there was a lot of, um, there were plenty of explosions. Of course, they were tar- targeting those, um, those strategic um, places that, um, but there's, there's always going to be um, targets here that they're going to strike in Lviv. And it's scary. And, you know, and um, I know we talked about it before. And um, if you want to ask me anything right now, please. Sure. Uh, What's your sense of uh, how the war effort is going? Because it seems that you're over uh, towards the West. uh, And then obviously we see that there's a lot of fighting in the East and South. Uh, how would you assess uh, how your country, uh, the Ukraine, is doing against the Soviet slash Russian invaders? Well, every time a bomb falls in Ukraine, anywhere, it just makes um, the people here more, more determined, angrier, determined. Even where I am, I, um, um, a few week, couple weeks ago, bombs fell near me, maybe. 200 yards from me and it even even i feel it so um it's um everybody's determined they're not gonna they're not gonna um submit to anything that's going on you know from from even today there's a lot of concern because tomorrow's uh their victory day in russia yes so there's a lot of concern and uh but no, there's a lot of surprises going on. I'm, I'm coming up, I, I believe. And um, but everybody here is just ready. It, it doesn't make anybody fearful. It just makes everybody angrier and ready to, to fight. And so um, that's what I can tell you about everything that's going on here. And uh, uh, did you want to give a shout out to, to your mom wherever she may be? Yes, yes. Well, first let me tell you. Um, I'm here in Lviv. I stayed here in Lviv. 
I had my kid, you know, uh, my seven-year-old. They uh, evacuated with my wife um, to to Poland, and I want to say, Mark, hello, Mark, and they're listening to now um, to me now. Um, hello, Mark, I love you, and tell your mom happy Mother's Day, and he he knows already. And Vita, thank you, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for taking care of our son. I know it's hard and it's difficult. And thank you for everything that you do. And um, and um, yes. And, and what else can I say, Curtis? No, 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 no. Now, now, just uh, for clarification, uh, your son and your wife, there, uh, his mother, they're in Poland. There. Uh, yeah. Are there intentions at some point? Uh, will they be coming back, or do you prefer that they just try to settle somewhere else? Well, yes. Like 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 a lot of Ukrainians, they they want to come back. They're not going to leave. They they really don't want to leave their country. And she, want, of course, she wants to come back. Um, and um, so they're there. They have to um, um, do what they have to do. You know, and um, they're. Um, the, their intentions, as most of them, are to want to want to come back. You know, they they left. A lot of them left. You know, mothers, little little children, to um, to be safe. So um, I know they're there now. It's what is it? It's about one o'clock where I am in Lviv. Over there, it's about twelve o'clock near Krakow. And I, um, yeah, they're everybody's looking forward to coming back to Ukraine for sure. No, no, I uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you uh, specifically for taking the time uh, in the uh, war-battled uh, area that you're in, uh, your entire country under siege, to uh, keep us informed of what's going on there. Thank you, Curtis, so much. All right, be safe there, Bert. And the rest of those who are listening to us in the Ukraine, you'd be surprised how many people... Again, you may ask yourself, how do they listen? Uh, by the app, you can hear it crystal clear, as Bert does, or on the stream of your computer. Again, you can hear it crystal clear anywhere in the world, or the old standby terrestrial radio, not necessarily there in Ukraine, but in uh, other distant parts where our 50,000 powerful watts of sound can reach uh, when it's dark outside. Anyway, let's go to uh, Douglas, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day here at WABC, Douglas. Hi, Curtis. Thank you for taking my call. I um, And I know you've had better days. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to say my mom is my best buddy in the whole world. And uh, I don't know what I'd do without her. When uh, when has um, she been there for you when it was so vital, so important, or it may have been detrimental to you if she hadn't been there to fill a void? Uh, well, um, I don't really get along much with uh, the rest of my family, so she's the, the one I've got last, and I love her so much, and... Um, uh, just recently, I um, moved out back to New Jersey from Iowa, and um, and uh, I'm just glad to be out here for her. Whereabouts uh, were you from in Iowa, Douglas? 
Well, I was living in the Quad Cities. Um, oh, sure. There. Now, is that near uh, the uh, Nebraska border? No, no. It's uh, Illinois, um, uh, right along the Mississippi River. Okay. Um, Davenport. Yeah, sure. Um, I've, I've, spent, Davenport uh, I've spent time in Davenport. We've had guardian angels there. Uh, right on that uh, riverfront. Uh, but what is it that caused you to come uh, to New Jersey? Well, she had some, um, uh, she, she was, uh, uh, had to go through surgery uh, for her, uh, like have a stent, a stent. Sure, in. sure. And then, uh, and then I just, uh, I, I, I originally, I came out just to uh, be here for uh, Christmas last year. Well, you know, 2020, and then, um, and then um, I just stayed, and I, uh, I've been with her since then, and it's, you know, I, 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 like I said, she's, she's my best buddy, and I, uh, I just want to shout out and say I love you so much, Mom. Well, Douglas, you're a, a fine son. Uh, she just, your mom just had a stent put in, uh, our own Mark Levin that you can hear Monday through Fridays from six to nine. He's had so many stents put in over the years. Uh, he almost, uh, equals the number that were put into uh, former vice president Dick Cheney. Uh, I know what that procedure is like. I haven't had any, but I know of people who, if not for those stents would never have been able to survive a series of strokes, uh, blood clots, uh, those kinds of problems. Modern medical science has kept them alive with those stents. It's almost like a catcher's glove, catching it as it's uh, it's passing through the system. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. As we, contrib- as we continue with our tributes to moms, grandmoms, surrogate moms, uh, moving towards the 6 o'clock hour on this, the Mother's Day extravaganza on the other, other side of midnight. Man, was we crazy? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Make it, ladies and gentlemen. When you get on this Curtis Sleewood train, 12 midnights, Saturday, and then Sunday mornings, 12 to 6, there's no way to get off. The intensity, the viscosity, you like that, viscosity, just increases as we go through the wee hours of the morning. And what greater love is there? in life than what a mother gives their son or daughter. There is none greater. You have seen mothers suffer with what their children have done to them and their families, and yet a mother will always forgive you. A father, he'll give you the boot, (laughs) and then he'll curse you out. You could be a murderer in jail. 
And mom will still be at your side. Will never, ever, ever lose the love of her son or her daughter. I know uh, every time I was in a jam in my household, first one I'd want to be dealing with is my mother, Francesca, not my father, Chester. Because, you know, at times he'd be like, uh, well, you made your bed, now sleep in it. There are consequences for your actions. Meantime, my mother would say, let's see if we can work this out. You know, we don't necessarily have to let your father know about this. Um, It might not turn out too well for you if we did. So she'd work it out. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, if we can, to Shar, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on Mother's Day, our extravaganza on WABC, Shar. Good morning. Curtis, I want to tell you about my mom. My mother's been gone 22 years. She was my best friend. And all my life, she advised me whether I liked it or not, but she was always right. Back in the early 90s. My dad had passed away, and she called me one day, and she said, can you do me a favor? Will you drive me into Brooklyn? My mother had MS, and I was a busy young mother then, and I said, Mom, what do you you need in Brooklyn? I've never been to Brooklyn. I don't know where we go. She said, oh, no, no, no. We have to listen to this incredible young man that I have come to listen to every day on the radio. And I said, are you kidding me? I go, who are we going to see? And she said, I want you to drive me to hear Curtis Lewis. And I said, the guy with the red beret and the guardian angels? And she goes, yes. Sorry, I send him money. I, I Whenever he needs it, he has fundraisers for those guys. He is the best. He's outstanding. And I said, Mommy, I can't do that. I don't know really who this man is, and I don't know how to get there. And I'm, I just, I'm too busy, Mom. Curtis, I have very little regret in my life. But that's always been one of my biggest Mm. because mom was right. I have followed you for the last 10 years. I listen to you all the time. And she was absolutely right. And I often look up and I go, mom, you were right. He is great. And the week after she passed away 22 years ago, my brother called me up and he goes, you're not going to believe who passed me on the street today. I know it's a sign. I know it's a sign. My brother worked in New York. You passed him on the street. He called me right away, and he goes, Mom was saying, see, see, I'm still around, because there he is. So just wanted you to know, you were so loved by Dorothy Pratt. I just wanted you to know. She's my mom, but she loved you, too. Oh, it sounds like a really, really special mom in the relationship you uh and your brother had with him. So good to hear. Uh, with the uh, remaining moments before we continue with our programming, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, religion on the line with uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik and uh, Reverend Bernard. I think the Long Island Report up next with uh, Judge Weinberg and then John Katsimatidis and his roundtable, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll be listening because... Frank Morano will be contributing. Oh, I gotta, gotta, I gotta listen to him, and then the rest of you, you gotta listen to him and write him out. Report to me, Frank Morano. The other side of midnight, uh, Monday through Fridays from one to five. 
Anyway, let's go, if we can, to uh, uh, Jim, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jim. Hey, good morning, Curtis. To all the moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I was fortunate growing up. I had two moms, my birth mother, who was a saint, and my Uncle Joe's wife, my Aunt Sarah, they never had any children. And my Aunt Sarah, when I was in Vietnam, would send the best, best care packages and when I came home, she continued to send care packages to the three fellows I shared space with. David just moved from Oklahoma, Tommy Garcia from California, and Philly Savino from down in Philly. She sent them care packages so they all came home. She was never gifted with any children, but I was very, very blessed to have an aunt like that. And her family escaped persecution in Germany going through Albania. And she had such a tremendous affection for the Albanian people. They were a lifeline for so many Jewish people who were escaping the persecution of Hitler. And uh, on this day, I remember my mother and my Aunt Sarah. Uh, there's, uh, those are memories that will be eternal, that will exist long before we ourselves leave this plane. So great that you share that with us, uh, Jim. Let's go to Patricia calling from uh, Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here on uh, Mother's Day Extravaganza here at WABC, Patty. Hi, Curtis. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all our mothers who are alive and all our mothers who have passed. Great mothers. My mother was tremendous. She took everyone in our family that was wayward. We had a nine-room house. They all came to, to Stella's house and stayed for months. And she was great to me. I had times of uh, really, I was going to drop out of school. Then, uh, and she never really criticized me or anything. She always was there for me, and I became a nurse. But it was because of her. And she, all my friends, forget it, they were her mother. When my mother died, I had gone to a, a coffee house that was all religions. And I thought she'd never come because she was a starch Catholic. She came there. They were all so sad when she died. She was just, she was there for my friends, for me, for everyone. They said another, another saint in heaven today. Stella has passed away. Hmm. She was the greatest, the greatest. I have the utmost love that still continues for her. No, I can't just say enough, but I'm sure like your mom, they're up on their pedestals with the Lord. Now, how many siblings uh, did you have, uh, Patty? I have one brother, and he just passed away with the COVID, unfortunately. Mm. You know, but um, my mother helped him, too. He was in Bellevue for four months. He had epilepsy at the age of 14, came home. They told my mother he can't go swimming, he can't go do this. And he said, Ma, if I don't go swimming, I want to die. My mother said, I put it in your hands, God. And she let him go, and he became a... Uh, he had 40 people under him. They said he'd ne- he's never going to be the same. He's never going to make it. And my mother just said, I put it in your little hands, Lord. And he graduated with his class. He got better. But it was all through my mother's perseverance. She had to give more attention to him than to me. But it didn't matter to me, you know, on his road to getting better. But um, just a tremendous, a tremendous lady. Uh, you know, that's what I have to say. Dude. We grew up, and we had a nine-room house, so we had the room for everybody. Anybody who had no place to live came with us. Mm. Well, those, are, those are beautiful sentiments uh, expressing for your mom, who was uh, meant so much to you, 
uh, your brother with the epilepsy, and so many others. Let's go to Paul calling from New Jersey. Uh, welcome to our uh, Mother's Day extravaganza here at WABC, Paul. Hey, Curtis, I want to thank you for uh, all the things that you do, uh, you know, with uh, with the Guardian Angels. And uh, and your mom and my mom, they're both up in heaven looking down. I hope they're proud of uh, of me. I know she'd be proud of you, all the all the people that aren't your relatives that you 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 saved from from criminals that uh, now seem to be running the place. Mm. Uh, thanks, thanks for letting me talk, and uh, I, I kind of miss I miss my mom, my dad. I'm a I'm a 73 year old orphan, <laughs> but uh, you know that's what happens when you you live too long. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Nah, no, but at least uh, you've got those fond memories. Uh, and let's go to Fred up in Yonkers. Uh, your turn to be heard here on our Mother's Day extravaganza at WABC, Fred. Hey, good morning, Curtis. Thanks for everything you do. I realized this morning I'm 61 years old, and this is the first Mother's Day without my mom. And it's, uh, it's a hard one, you know? Yeah. She was the greatest. We called her Grancy. And uh, what she loved was the faces of my kids. She was a great mother and a great grandmother, and she was so proud of her family. She just beamed. And uh, the last thing I got to say is she passed after getting jabbed. So, uh, oofa to the jab. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I know, I know, I know what you mean out there. I've heard that from uh, a few people, but. Uh, uh, to everybody out there, to your moms, to your grandmas, to your surrogate moms, to your wives, to your girlfriends, uh, anyone who happens to be a mother out there, uh, this day is dedicated to all of you. Uh, and I got to tell you, to my own mother, Francesca, who passed away years ago, uh, there's no doubt about it. I would not be the person that I am today without the guidance of my mother. And obviously, uh, my father, Chester. Francesca and uh, Chester have always been my role models. I didn't need to have artificial role models. I had the best that you could possibly ever hope for. Their model, their uh, efforts just encouraged me to do more and more. As they always said, Curtis, when you do good things, don't ask for anything in return. Because good things will happen to you. Just don't ask when, why, or how. I feel that in the marrow of my bone because I saw that exemplified in the lives of my mother, Francesca, and my father, Chester, that I miss so dearly, as so many of you miss your mothers and your fathers, especially on this Mother's Day. She's my baby. 